0: here for, what is it, episode 8 now, Mike?
1: Episode number 8. Episode
0: 8. Jim's going to join us through Skype here shortly. Uh, I believe through the Tim Tunerman interview, he's going to be with us. Uh, Yes, tonight we're going to have Tim Tunerman from Team Associated, uh, designer of the SC10 GT, uh, the nitro short course truck, Uh, and of course, uh, my favorite current wheeler right now, my 443. Um, So, yeah, pretty much with that being said, uh, we're going to try and get through these uh, race results real quick that what we want to do
1: yeah let's do that i suppose oh, you got okay. the copies there right? yeah i got the copies here the other interesting thing too that we've been doing is running a point series um me and jim were having a good conversation about that earlier today so well You're gonna, you want to just bust those out or we're just I'll bu-
0: gonna yeah i'll bust through these and then you want to do that yeah sure all right so uh basically this is the way it all boiled down uh these are the Sue RC car club's uh race results from our race on s- uh, yesterday uh, two-wheel drive, Buggy, B-Main. Uh, would have been First would have been Will Shell, Second, Mike Medaglia. Third, Jarrett. Uh, Creighton, Creighton, Uh So, of course, that's our boy Mike in second place in the B-Main. A-Main, we had Jim Buchanan. Of course, that's the B from the MBM podcast. Buck in first, Jason Condrat in second, myself in third. I'm not going to lie. I was surprised to get a third out of that deal with the, some of the issues I've been having with my B5M, but that's another conversation. Uh, novice, A-Main, Gord Hunt, Landon Hunt. Uh Gary Crichton, Crichton? Creighton? Creighton. Creighton. <laughs> I'll get it right eventually. Uh two wheel drive mod short course, B main, Casey Brake Junior, Jarrett what is it again? Crichton. Crichton. I wanna say Creighton every time. Crichton, 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 Crichton. Crichton, Crichton, ah, Crichton. Okay, uh and then third Julian Devos or is it Devo? I think it's Devos. Devos? Devos. I'm going to have to ask him so I can I have them asked him, right.
1: and I still don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> How horrible is that?
0: <laughs> You're terrible. Uh, and then we got into the two-wheel drive mod short course A-Main. Uh, would have been Maverick McDonald in first. Second, our boy Jim. Third, Brian Johnson. Uh, four-wheel drive short course A-Main. There's only four of us. It was fun. That's going to be a great conversation later with the triple situation. <laughs> oh, yes. uh, I finished first. Uh, Mike in second. And Jason uh, Leapens in third. yeah. yeah. Uh, two wheel drive stock short course B main would have been Casey Brake jr. in first Julian, uh, Devo, uh, Devos, Devos. And I want to say Devo all the time. Yeah. Uh, Devos in second, uh, will shell in third, uh, getting into the stock short course. A main, we got Maverick out first Marty in second and Jason Conrad in third four wheel drug, uh, four wheel drive buggy, a main, we have Maverick out in first, Jim in second, uh, our boy, Mike in second, our third, pardon me, um, Where am I here? almost missed the super stocks here. The super stock short course uh, B main would have been Evan Miller in first, Julian in second, uh, Gary in third. Stock short course A main would have been Jim, Casey Sr., and Will. That's first, second, third. Uh, Two-wheel drive buggy B main. Whoa. Did I screw that up? Yeah, I put that sheet. Did you print me out a bunch of them here? Yeah. Okay, so I'm apparently done mine. I was just reading through the whole second set of them (laughs) again. When, uh yeah i think that's it yeah you printed out like three of them yeah cause because i, well, I could have I shared <laughs> with you
1: <laughs> well yeah that's why i said you're gonna go through them and break them up but that's fine so first thing i want to do just to touch base on our races and this just needs to be a 30 second conversation is some of the novice drivers my goodness gracious are some of them ever getting better absolutely you know you, we were watching some of these people come in the first time ever touching rc we've bumped a couple up into the stock short course class even the mod class i think with uh jarrett yeah his truck won't fit the the stock short course yeah and i mean the, the these guys they're they've got it they're picking it up they're they're getting better they're getting faster and this funny part is they're becoming contenders like the guys you got to deal with and i just want to make sure that you know if any of those guys are listening i, I you know i use jarrett because i i'm pretty close with him uh and his dad uh you know they they pit right beside yeah. us they come to us for a lot of information yeah. so i get to talk to them a lot i kind of pay attention because. They're always there, and it's just like, man, like just watching those people grow, just like I did. You know, there was a day when I was scared, yeah, nervous, yeah, couldn't keep my truck on its wheels. And, you know, whatnot, and I was always at the back of the pack, finishing yeah. last, finishing last. Absolutely. Now, you know, I'm moving my way up to the top slowly, and it's just experience kicked in. Well, always.
0: You know, I, I want
1: to, because you're
0: getting in on that subject of people moving up from novice and everything like that, I want to take a second to mention uh, Kyle Johnston. Um, yes. He came out, I believe, last year he was running a Traxxas Bandit Novice, two-wheel drive buggy. Uh, this year he came out equipped with a 22 buggy, uh, Losey. Um, he raced in novice. Um, of course, a lot of novice drivers. Pretty much all the novice drivers drive short course trucks. So you know, you got this one lone two wheel drive buggy out there <laughs> yeah. with with short course trucks. You know, so we watched him uh, get broken at least two or three times, and we finally said, to him, "You know, Kyle, we don't want to push you, but I think you're ready for for two wheel drive buggy." And, and he finished fourth in the A main. I know. So, you know what I mean? That's a prime example, like a big, huge shout out to him because he's come a very long way in his driving.
1: And that's exactly it. I mean, these are just two people that that stand out in our minds, you know, for me and you. Yeah. And it's not that there isn't other people out there that are doing very well. Uh, I think those are just two people that we ourselves spend a lot of time talking to. And it's just, I guess it's awesome to say, you know, we've been helping those guys get better and it's awesome to see them doing better and... You know, I congratulate anyone that runs in novice uh, or that's coming out and trying for the first time uh, in, in any of the regular re- heats. You know, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it is. It, you know, I look back to our, my first race and I mean, man, I was shaking in my boots. I'm just going to bring Jim in. Sure, absolutely. Jim, you still there? So the other thing that we've been doing is running a point series. And I'm just going to go through the top three in each category. Uh, if anyone's looking for more information, it is on the suRC Car Club form. You can yeah. go get the PDF. Um Looking through these, you know, just a brief little bit of information missing one race, it just it, well, no, it, one, one race, one race is the
0: problem because we're going to drop one, one week anyway. From the situation, missing two races is what's going to really do you a throat slitter, yeah,
1: and even one really bad finish, yeah, depending on you know, for example, like I'm looking at this, um, you know, our novice class, we've got 17 people, and I think no, it's two wheel drive mod has the most. There's 23 entries. There's been 23 people that have raced in there. Yeah. You know, and that guy that's sitting in, you know, whatever position, I'm just kind of briefly looking. You know, we got guys that have missed... Two weeks already, like they're done. They're never gonna yeah. be able to. You well, know. but again,
0: again, the point series was designed. The, the original thought that I had behind the point series was to reward the yep. people that came every time because I seen a few people that came every month, and then when we did our spring classic, which we had trophies for, yeah. they had a not the greatest race day, and they didn't they didn't get well, anything. And, and we, it's like you put all that effort in all year, you see these guys <laughs> come out. Month after month after month, race really well, and then but not going home with yeah, any hardware. hardware. And then you got a few guys who are great racers who come up for it because it's our big- Just for that race. Right, exactly. and take a bunch of hardware, hardware. home. So yep. I really wanted to work to make sure this year that the Sue RC Car Club
1: gives out hardware to those people
0: that come all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we race, what, eight times this year?
0: Uh, October, November, December, January, February, March- April. Seven races. Actually, no, October didn't count. So we got six races that are actually counting for our
1: points series this year one So we this just, hit, we just drop. hit the halfway mark then. Yeah. This yeah. What the, there's that, that point. So right yeah. now as it stands in two-wheel drive buggy, Jim Buchanan is our leader with 389 points with Matt Housen in second with 387 points and Mr. John Francella taking the third spot with 378 points. Uh, actually, me and him are tied with 378 points third and fourth. So We'll, we'll see. will hap- be an interesting little I'm going to have to give him a Charlie horse right before the next race there. <laughs> <laughs> in novice, uh, Gord Hunt, he's got it uh, with a first with 395 points. Landon Hunt, that's father-son, is it? Yeah, father-son. Uh, Gord's the father. Landon's, Landon's the son. son. You know, He's got 386 points in second. And Morgan Dilladoe? Dillido- Dillabah, I think. Dillabaugh, again, yeah. he's, he's a, Man, he was running good this last week. But weekend. see, he missed a race. Mm-hmm. So right now, he's in third with 295 points. Now, that will... He will keep that spot because fourth place is in the same boat. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, The massive, massive two wheel drive mod short course Jim Buchanan, 395 points in first place. Jarrett Creighton, 379 points in second. It's a big spread. 15 points. That's huge. Yeah. Third place, Joey Devos, 379 points. So those two are tied. So, Ricardo's got the opportunity to bump one of those guys either way depends on how it goes because he's in fourth with 368 so he's got some got some points to make up and yeah. he could do it Ricardo's oh, but, a good but, driver but,
0: well that's well
1: as long as he stays calm because I, I you know I've, I've stood
0: underneath the driver's stand a few times with him. and you know you see him get out there he has a little bobble he has a second little bobble a third little bobble and you can see him get excited it's like okay Ricardo breathe yeah. bud keep driving keep driving and you know if he calms back down he, he can he can put some decent laps together if he keeps his uh, keeps his cool. Yeah.
1: If uh, Mr. Tyler Carter doesn't show up, it looks like me and you are taking one and two. I'm okay with that. In the four-wheel drive <laughs> short course uh, you hear point that, series. Tyler? Uh, pretty much me and you haven't missed a race. Everyone no. else has missed at least once. Yeah. Um, you know, we got a couple guys that have missed two, three. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think for the most part, we know how that's going to fit. Third place is going to be the questionable. Well, we just If gotta Tyler hope, doesn't show up.
0: We just got to hope that uh, Steve and uh, Jason right now keep uh, showing up. So at least we have four.
1: I'm talking in, oh, yeah, in four-wheel yeah. drive. If we don't have
0: four of them. To, or, or, well, three. Oh, we
1: don't have three of no, them. No, me, yeah. me and you are still right. I don't care. Oh, yeah, who cares? You in the triple? <laughs> Stadium truck. <laughs> Jim Buchanan, first place, 397 points. Marty Sharon in second place with 390 points. And Reno in third with 375 points. Big spread between each one of those positions. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really don't see much changing unless Jim has a catastrophic breakdown. Yeah, more than once. More than once. Yeah. Yeah. He's normally pretty good about that, though. Uh, two-wheel drive, stock short course. Marty Sharon, 396 points. Second place, Jim Buchanan, 383 points. Jim, you could catch him. Joey Devos is in third place with 374 points. Four-wheel drive buggy. This class is just exploding with people. Oh, I know. Matt Hosen, he is sitting in first place with 393 points. Jimbo jambo mr b in the mbm second place 389 points Ooh, he's close and i'm trailing him by one point in third that's that could go anywhere that's an mbm podcast you literally got mbm in the correct order
0: (laughs) i know okay (laughs) when we were racing you're like look it's mbm it was
1: actually bmm at the time but whatever we were still there so super stock short course jim buchanan first place 397 points Sorry, is I'm shuffling guy? papers. What's that, Jim? Who is that guy? I oh, don't know. <laughs> Second place in Superstuck Short Course, Joey Devos with 386 points. Jim's got an 11-point lead on him. Yeah. It's big. Third place goes to Will with 382 points. Uh, Getting
0: TQ. What a lot of people don't realize yes. is TQ is, I think, an extra two points. Two or points. Something.
1: So, yeah, So, yeah, so th- to, to be clear, first place gives you 100 points. Yeah. Second place gives you 99, 98. As you go down, you, you, you lose that number. And whoever TQs gets, an extra gets the extra t- point. And I was looking through them, uh, there was one of them here where Marty actually finished. Ni- uh, wh- he got ninety four points, so that means he finished sixth. Yeah, but he TQed. So he got yeah. So he actually ended up with ninety six points. So that you know that that can be a huge huge oh, difference. That, I think
0: we're going to see that in the four wheel drive buggy class. The, the, the three of us are going to be.
1: Uh, yeah, we're going to be fighting to get come, that come TQ. come
0: next month. <laughs> well, because what? We just had February. So we got March and April. We got two more race days.
1: So May's not counting towards no, the Point no, Series? I, I
0: no, not Because well, to me, I want to have the, 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 pri- like the trophies and whatever for the... the I don't know if we want to do top three, top five. I don't really care which way we do it. Um, I think if we do top three, it's a little more prestigious. Yeah. You know what I mean? To make it to that top three.
1: My other question is, are we going to have a Point Series overall winner? Because me and Jim were talking about that earlier today. And the way we said it is... <laughs> and, and Jim only said it because it's him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mean whoever has the most amount of points in all the classes combined, like all their classes that they race combined? Yes.
1: Now, obviously, to, so to somebody like Jim who races in every single class and we should even put him in well, novice.
0: No, you know how you make it fair? This is what you do. you You only count their highest score in whichever short course class. So, you know, because we have Stock Shark course Super Stock, and Mod. You're right. So
2: no. you got
1: three of them. So you just, you take... You look at through no, look through all of the different classes, mm-hmm. and whoever the person is in first with the highest number, you know what I'm saying? Because by the end of this, you're going to end up in the 600s, right? Yeah. Well, somebody might end up with like 699. Mm-hmm. That person's your overall points winner. Yeah, okay. But no, no, no. This,
0: hear me out what I'm talking about. Okay, sorry. Okay, so there's Stock Shark Horse, Super Stock, and Mod. Yeah. There's three. So basically what you do is you take, say, somebody like Jim... You s- you find his highest point score from whichever of those three, mm-hmm. and that's his point score for stock. You take his point score from four wheel drive uh, buggy, two wheel drive buggy, stadium truck. You add those all together, and you know whoever what I mean? has the most. So, so what you would say is, if you wanted to maybe do overall points, you'd say okay, overall points winner for six classes because you run six class, or you know for for whichever way uh. you want to do it, or yeah. You do it for how many? Short course. So, yeah. But so what I'm saying wheel drive is, buggy, if I just, two wheel drive buggy, if I look through all stadium of these, because that's what we really have.
1: I'd like to add though it's it's kind of not fair because I have six I have six toys. So next year if somebody else has six toys. You know, just because I have I have six vehicles, I'm probably going to win that.
0: Yeah, but what I'm trying to do is trying to make it kind of fair for somebody that only races maybe in one of the short course classes because they can't afford to have, say, two different trucks, or say they bi- purposely built a mod truck only so they can't race in super stock or stock. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you take also, their Also, too, like, I don't think there should be an overall. It would be hard to here. do it fairly.
1: Well, I think, like I said, I think maybe Unless my way. A foot, but. Like, I'm looking through all of these right now, like. You know, if you looked at this 39 397 points, right now there's Matt has it, Jim has it. Who else had it?
0: Like whoever ends up with the most points the, at the the it, highest point period.
1: Exactly. So right now there's a tie between Jim, Matt. Looks like just you two, you and Matt. So between you and Jim, uh-huh. you both your highest score in any class is 397 points. Oh, okay. So at the end of this, you just look at, okay, who got the highest? That means you were the most consistent in that class, yeah. always getting first or second. You know what I mean? So that might be one way to do like an overall points. I'd like to do that. You know, one one person take home. But again, like I said, we're going to have... I have to think about it.
0: Yeah. It, it's, so. it's just an idea. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Let's get uh, our buddy we,
0: on here. Okay. So, so what we'll do then is we'll take a quick break. We'll get Tim on with us. Sounds good. We're going to have that great interview. I'm yes, excited. people, he is going to answer the question of why did they put plastic <laughs> nuts to hold the shocks on. I cannot well, wait for that I an think answer.
1: we're going to try to get some other information out of him, yes, too, if we can. absolutely. We're going we're gonna to sugar him up. Yeah. And, of course, in this episode, there's
0: other things I'm going to cover uh, as well. Um, funny enough, your uh, trusty creator of the NBM podcast sitting here is uh, co-hosting another podcast because I just don't get enough of it with my own. Um, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit after uh, as well. We had our first fan email, and I feel like such a you know what, for not mentioning it at our last podcast because, you know, we got a fan letter (laughs) and I forgot to talk about it. Like, what an arse I am. So I'm going to talk about uh, Lewis, of course. He reached out from the UK. That's really cool. Uh, Of course, and we also gave away a prize for our 200 like. Mm, Uh, So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later in the podcast. So we'll be back right after this break, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in with us.
1: Okay, we're back from break.
0: I know the breaks are so short for them, but sometimes they're a little longer for us. Not so much this time. I got you on there, big guy. Okay, so we have, on the phone with us, we have Mr. Tim Tunerman from Team Associated. Tim, I want to say thank you very much for joining us.
3: Hey, how's it going, guys?
0: All right. Um, So, I want to start off, first of all, by saying... I absolutely love team associated stuff, but at the same time, please do not take any of the questions we may ask you in this interview personally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you designed the four four three, and yes, I'm a little critical of it because I absolutely love it, and there's only a few small little things of that drive me completely crazy. Um, For sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's let him introduce himself. Yes, him absolutely. Tell us a little bit about himself and tell, where he's at, and yeah. tell everybody who you are what you've been doing all this time. Uh, I'm sure there's some people that don't know, so uh, let them know.
3: Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, Yeah, my name's Tim uh, Tennerman. I've uh, been working at AE now for the last uh, three and a half years. Uh, I got the job straight out of college. Um, I got into RC, I think, when I got my true RC car, like hobby End, was uh, when I was 10, and I'm 26 or so yeah, twenty six now. <laughs> Holy jeez. And uh and uh yeah, that was my my first car with a Traxxas Rustler. Uh and uh I started kind of trying to race that and modifying it as best I could for racing and then later on uh got a low C triple X buggy once my parents realized like I was hooked on the hobby and it wasn't just a, an overnight kind of uh you know, deal that I would really, I really like the hobby and wanted to stick with it. So, uh, I'd on and off been racing. Uh, I got more competitive and I worked at a hobby shop for like three years at a hobby town USA and, uh, you know, raced pretty competitively in uh, the Pacific Northwest and in, in Oregon and Washington where, where I'm originally from. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got, uh, the bug, worked at a hobby shop, but then once I went off to college, um, I didn't really have as much time for it anymore, and I kind of focused on my studies in mechanical engineering and uh, on our university's Formula SAE team, which is a uh, uh, a team of engineers, essentially we design and build a mini Formula One car, and it's like our, our team, luckily it was fortunate enough to be, you know, really well supported by the school, and also one of the best teams in in the world, and so that kind of took up a lot of my time designing the brake system for that and just kind of the full-scale car scene, Um, but before graduating, I sent in my resume to uh, a few of the RC car manufacturers and uh, heard back from Associated, which I was super stoked about because uh, I knew that I would want to at least get into uh, an RC car company that uh, races, and uh, obviously Associated at that time is one of the few that uh, isn't so corporate like, you know, Horizon or whatever, like they're not like, Team Mostly wasn't what they used to be anymore, and uh, associated is one of the few remaining kind of mom-and-pop type feeling racing uh, brands, so I was really excited to be a, uh, considered and then hired, so I've been here since.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of knew a little bit of the, the tail end of it. See, I didn't realize when you were in school and stuff like that, you helped design, that's kind of cool.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of fun uh, traveling around, uh, uh, going to uh, competitions where you have design judges from, you know, Formula One teams or Honda or uh, AP Brakes, all these kind of high end companies, you know, grilling you, questioning you. And then you also kind of make, you know, some contacts at those companies. And uh, it's just really, it's a really fun uh, environment uh, working on the, the Formula SA team where you have a bunch of. You know, college students that don't have anything better to do than work on a race car <laughs> and work crazy hours, and like everyone's super passionate and it's just a really fun, fun time.
0: Yeah, that's uh, oh, see, we learn something new every time. So, that basically gives everybody, I guess, a brief kind of history of what uh, what you've done. And you know, I honestly like I've heard your previous interview on the Ripcast about the 443 before it came out. Um, because uh, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, "Oh, I'm buying one." It's like take my money. You can't even. You, you can't. So I I heard that interview, and I I I don't know if you got into how old you were, but I didn't realize you're you're actually younger than Mike and I, and even Jim. I think Jim's almost yeah. got 10 years on you. So
3: yeah, uh, yeah, we're well, I'm I'm pretty young, and uh, so is uh, Cody Newman who's one of the new you know engineers here at AE, and he also happens to be you know like a a factory top pilot as well you know he's also really really talented and i mean cody's i think just one year younger than i am so it's like we have some pretty you know young people here i guess now
1: (laughs) we always bug jim we tell him he's the 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 father the father of the bbm or mbm sorry yeah podcast you know (laughs) always got to pump him up about his age and the other thing i want to mention too, you talked about you were running a low c and I just wanted to rub it in because Jim is, like, the number one Losey fan. Yeah, he,
0: we, we, we've got him on webcam, on Skype, and yeah. he's holding up one of his books for assembly guides with the TLR on it, just flashing it
1: away. And, Jim, all I want to say is, is uh, <laughs> Tim Tunerman. Is it Tunerman? Is Am I saying that right?
3: Uh, I've heard it that way. Uh, I've always said it Tunerman. Tunerman. <laughs> so okay, no, that's, well, that's good. That, that's so either, Tim, either Tim Tunerman
1: <laughs> went from Losey's to Associated. so that just tells you a lot, Jim.
3: i have no comment (laughs) yeah i think i think the biggest reason at that particular time was for me was you know it was the triple x buggy which just came out or a b3 buggy and at the time the triple x buggy just had you know a really sleek chassis that coke bottle shape looked really cool to me at the time and all the fast guys in my area were all losi sponsored so you kind of run what uh but the local bass guys are running, so you can kind of get more support and help. Um, so that was kind of the biggest deciding factor then. But uh, I know that once, like, I worked at the hobby shop, and shortly, like, I, I can't remember what year it was exactly, like, 05, I think, when Team OSU was bought up by Horizon. And then, like, mm-hmm. the whole kind of company image changed. And so I was kind of bummed out about that at the time. And I've always really respected, you know, Team Associated you know, obviously you you know, a really good racing company. So, when I went to apply, I was, you know, that was my number one pick. That like if I could get my job there or get a job there, that would be awesome. And you know, it yeah. all all worked out perfectly.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't know how I can describe my affection for Associated. <laughs> I, I really don't like. You know, I never. I don't think I'll ever be a good enough a racer to be picked up like by like an Associated or by a Loci or something like that. I don't think I'll ever get to that level in my life ever. But honestly, if 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 somebody were, yeah, I know, Jim, you're laughing at me. Shut up. But <laughs> it, it, you know, I'm not lying. Like if if a company were to approach me and say, "Hey, we're going to sponsor you," and it wasn't associated, I would be very feel weird about it. Like even even like the Eight Scale platform, which I'm going to ask you questions about later. Um, you know, because I want to sure. I want to get Eight Scale, but you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant because Associated hasn't done nothing with the the Truggy platform. They have. Uh you know, I know there's something coming on the the buggy platform, thought you said you were getting into it later I, yeah but <laughs> but so what I'm trying to say is though is i'm i'm, I'm just I'm so attached, like there's so many
1: great no, platforms it, right he's now sick. that are eight skills. it's it's like you know the 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 woman in your life you just can't get rid of I, I that's don't know. how associated it is yeah, in this man's I just ugh. I
0: have such an affection for it. <laughs> With that being said, I'm going to move on to a question about the four-four-three. Because well,
1: I can ask him one sure. more question okay, before yeah. we get into that. Yeah, yeah. Tim, you you made a comment in your introduction there that you know AE's kind of the last mom and mom and pop uh, kind of ran RC uh, mm-hmm. manufacturer. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like what you mean by that? Yeah, most
3: most definitely. Um, I think uh, I mean I guess to put it short, it's like a, our vice president uh, is Cliff Let. Who originally used to be one of the designers, or you know, uh, for for AE, and obviously a, a well-respected racer. I mean, he knows, you know, he, he knows the full industry from like the top racer to the engineer to you know the customer, and even before that. I mean, he used to work for uh, Yamaha as a, I think a factory mechanic and stuff for like the the racing team. So he's, he's got so much experience. In this whole hobby, and now being, you know, the vice president, and kind of overseeing things, uh, he just has a lot of really good insight for, um, for where we sh- we should be going, or you know, has a lot of experience, obviously, from the previous work he's done.
2: Mm-hmm. So we have,
3: like, you know, a good a good leader. Uh, you also have Roger Curtis, who is still around, uh, who was the, you know, one of the previous owners of uh, Associated, and he, you know, chimes in every now and then with. You know, advice when we you know are completely stumped, and we maybe go ask him, and he's you know sharper than ever. For you know, an old guy, I mean, he's he's getting up there in age, but he's probably the the smartest old guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, we have the the Husting family, um, which uh, which uh, are, are a pretty pivotal part of the uh, associated family, I guess you could say. You have Curtis Husting, who's the engineering manager, and he used to be involved in a lot of the kind of manufacturing stuff and he uh, does a lot of prototyping for our parts for our race team. Um, And so it just has a a really family kind of vibe, even though uh, the company technically sold to Thunder Tiger, we're still our own kind of entity over here and we, you know, we call the shop on what kind of car we want to make or we, um, you know, do all the design work and that kind of stuff. So really it's just kind of like when people say, oh, you know, it's because it's, Thunder Tiger and it's, you know, China or something like that. Well, they, they essentially just make us the parts, just like any other manufacturer. I was I mean, just going to say... Like, off oh, the Chinese companies, like, but TLR is made in China. Yeah. You know, Hot Body is made in China or Taiwan. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't really point at any single manufacturer that isn't made overseas. So, uh, we were, unfortunately, just one of the few last remaining U.S.-made companies. And uh, we still even use a lot of our U.S. vendors now, but for the most part, a lot of our molded parts are made overseas,
2: but wow.
3: Um, yeah. So yeah, it just has like a really kind of mom and pop ish feel here, where it's a, a fairly close knit group. It feels like than a, a larger kind of corporation. So um, I think that maybe
1: yeah, no, that definitely yeah, answers that. It? No, I, yeah, I'd not yeah,
3: appreciate that, that. That
1: definitely puts a perspective on
0: things. Yeah, I think
3: it's. Just, like, I guess actually, the further uh, read or answer that I, I just thought of something else, which is. You know, like uh, Curtis Husting, who uh, has been here a long time. I think he's been here like 30-plus years. And Cliff, I think, has been here, you know, 20-plus years. And one of our parts ordering guys, Pete, uh, who orders all our parts, and he used to have different roles in the company. And he's been here since the 70s as well, I mean, 30-something years. And we have actually quite a few people in our sh- our shipping and packaging area who have been here for, you know, 20 plus years. I think there's like a handful of them that have, you know, been here for 25 plus years. And one of them just had like a 30th anniversary, uh, working here, uh, which is incredible that, you know, you have these people that have been around for so long. So it kind of creates this, you know, close knit family type of environment. So, um, obviously that makes everyone want to try harder to do the best job they can with what they do because, you're kind of looking out for each other by everyone doing it or pulling their own way.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. yeah oh. No, that's that definitely, like I said, puts it, puts it into perspective.
0: Yeah, no, mm-hmm. absolutely. It does. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, you're kind of right when, when, you know, right when you were saying it, you know, you're kidding yourself if you don't think every other manufacturer makes their stuff from China. Like the reality is nowadays, oh, if, you, sure. if you want something at an affordable cost, it's coming from China. Like it's, it's
3: not, yeah, there's no question. I mean, I think maybe other companies aren't as well known where their stuff is made, but yeah.
2: I mean,
3: having more inside information, you kind of know, you know, almost uh, every single other company is pretty much made overseas. Aside from maybe like X Ray or something like that, which is, you know, they have, you know, a pretty unique setup and facility. But
2: yeah.
3: uh, aside from that, almost a majority of the companies are all made in in Asia in some fashion. <laughs>
1: I don't think it really matters where anything comes from anymore. It's coming from China or Taiwan, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, take your pick. It doesn't matter.
3: Yeah, I mean, it ultimately comes down to. I mean, they still have like just because it comes from there doesn't mean it's any less or quality unless you let it be. Right. Um. So that it's up to you know us or quality control. You know, checking things. Um. You know, making sure it's up to our standards, which is you know what the difference is between some of the other companies I mean you have other lower end companies that you know are made in this you know similar areas or something like that or overseas
2: yeah.
3: but they're a lot cheaper or have more issues because the, the standard of quality I guess isn't there um, but I mean it does pose more issues than you know if we were still manufacturing stuff here in the US where you can maybe just drive down the street to the shop and you know communicate uh, some change you want made to a mold and have it done you know that week you know Instead, overseas, you know, there's a little bit of a a language or a cultural difference. And, you know, it does maybe take a little bit longer to have to ship stuff to and from or whatever. Um, But I think that's expected in any, you know, competitive business in any kind of market, really. You're going to have to deal with people overseas or people that probably don't speak your native language and stuff. So just part of the, the business world, I guess.
0: Right. Okay. Well... I'm sorry, I'm just so excited about asking him about the four four three. You have guys have no idea how excited I am. But before of course I start <laughs> berating him with a ton of questions about the four four three, kinda explain to us. You know, Jim, if I have to come to your house and straighten you out, Tim, if you could see what Jim has done to himself right now, you would laugh at him. He took one of the biggest TLR <laughs> stickers that he has and he stuck it on his forehead. Trying to Uh, distract They come
3: come with pretty big ones out of the box, I've seen.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, trust (laughs) me. He picked the biggest one and stuck it on his forehead. (laughs) It's about the only thing that comes out of those boxes that are good, too. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 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 So, so Tim, I want to ask you, like, uh, when did Associated decide that the 443 was going to be the next option as opposed to um, making it, like, you know, a... B series like the B five, like you you know what I mean, like
3: or I mean the, the five, or the fifth generation. Yeah, guess, yeah. Like so, will. so when did they decide to do like platform. a new iteration?
1: Uh, yeah, like how did that come about? It's a version three rather than a whole new yeah. platform.
3: Oh, I know. Right, like, right. Trust me, that
0: drove me crazy. I feel bad for Tim because he was on the RC Tech um, thread about the four four three and constant complaining about it's not metric. It's not yeah. metric. It's like, dude, just get over it. It's not metric. Deal with it. Like wha? Yeah. yeah. I mean,
3: and I uh, but I. I see both sides. I mean, I see the side from the person that isn't familiar with, uh, you know, the product pedigree, and they just they just see it as maybe a new product, and they just you know they, they don't understand why it, it isn't made um, to the same B five specs, you know, uh, I, and, and don't really maybe understand either the, the production kind of side or the, the the time it takes to actually make a new car and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I I can see how, you know, people would, you know, expect it to be metric or maybe not understand how complicated some of the the things actually are to convert a car to metric because um, a lot of times things always seem easier until you actually, you know, get, you know, involved in it and then you realize, oh, man, that's like a whole can of worms to to do and that's going to be more complicated. But uh, originally it was uh, a project that uh, Cody started actually, Uh, and it was right after the world. Uh, I think he started it like it was, you know, the world were in September, I think I want to say, and uh, the car was going to be pretty much wrapped up and done in November. But uh, during that time frame, sort of, we also had our new prototype eight scale that we were working on uh, with Josh Alton. Um, But uh, some things weren't quite working out on that car, and uh, some... Manpower had to be uh, moved around uh, after we ended up uh, letting him go, uh, or Josh Alton go. And we ended up having, you know, Cody go assist with uh, eight scale uh, testing and development as you know, a test driver and, um, and, and help with that project. So it kind of got put on the back burner uh, a little bit, to be honest. And uh, finally, when I had finished wrapping up my project uh, that I was working on, uh, I was able to then, I guess, I had to take over that project. And originally, the scope of the the B44.3 project was just going to be a kind of world's replica car that would just have an aluminum chassis and geared ifs and that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, But since so much time had passed until, like, I started work on the project again, which was, I think, like in April, I think, um, that we had already seen, you know, a little bit of an evolution in in some of the cars, people putting shorty batteries in um, and also maybe the necessity for a centered gear disc. So at that point, um, we didn't have time. We we knew we didn't have time to be able to develop a whole ground-up car because our car, our B44.2, was becoming... um, I wouldn't say out-of-date. I guess, yeah, out-of-date would be a, a, an okay term um, in which you couldn't just buy the kit and run it. You'd have to buy the kit, and people would people would be running gear gifts and switching chassis maybe to an aluminum chassis. And so it just wasn't becoming a, a very turnkey uh, accessible kit. Um, and so it makes us, one, not very competitive in terms of the market trying to sell a four-wheel drive, And then two, it just makes it harder for racers that want to race with our car to be even competitive because there's a laundry list of things you have to get along with the the base kit. So um, that was one of the things that we wanted to try and address was kind of bring it up to speed. And at the same time, since we knew we didn't have time to be able to do a ground-up car, which usually takes, you know, really a year to two years from design to prototyping or testing and, and seeing production, that we knew we didn't have time to... Only have a B forty four point two. We have to have something that's going to uh, be competitive now, and that's that was what the B forty four point three was. And um, since it's obviously been a proven chassis, uh, it allowed us to be able to kind of a, you know further refine it and add some new features like the center gear disc, um, the shorty battery, and uh, be able to use it as a, a further uh, test bed for our new car to help further develop what our new car will be like by being able to have these new features on our existing car that we know what it's like. You know, having the center gear up you know, we can learn a lot from how the car behaves with all these new uh, additions to it, with the shorty battery and the different weight uh, distribution and uh, uh, and give us just a production-type car that we can really play with for testing and, and developing and, and learning for the next car, as well as just having something that out-of-the-box you know, works awesome on uh, uh, on any racetrack for any racer. They can just get the kit and pretty much have everything you need right out of the box. So, unfortunately, yeah, it isn't uh, a super beefy car um, like our B5M has kind of established the precedent. <laughs> yeah, um, but it is probably one of the the best handling four wheel drives hands da- hands down, um, and definitely it's it's. Uh, uh, Racing wins uh, would would back that claim up uh, pretty pretty easily. Yeah, um, but uh, it's just uh, from when that car was originally designed uh, to now the, the tracks uh, styling have changed. The jumps are bigger, the traction's higher, the powers even more insane. So um, unfortunately, it's just uh, now not as strong as some of the other cars, and uh, now it's. You know, sometimes it's important to have a car that, you know, at least like for the Reedy race, it's one of the few races where uh, every race counts. You break once, points-wise, that that really hurts you, versus, you know, just finishing the race would net you a few more points, maybe. So you can't just rely on handling alone. So uh, it's something we're definitely going to work on. It's in the pipeline. So uh, we'll have, you know, a car in the future where it has, all the same awesome handling characteristics as the, the .3, um, but an even more robust, you know, uh, a arm and uh, chassis and everything and drivetrain that'll you know be able to take anything you throw at it.
0: Yeah, you mentioned drivetrain. I, I've I haven't had any uh, like I had the original like hang up there from the ring uh, ring gear situation. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I took your advice from the RC Tech there. sent Nick a thing, and he sent me the replacements. Now, of course, from running it, it's been good. So I've got the replacements in the, in the box. If anything
1: happens, but sure. <laughs> can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah, Tim. So I just want to, mm-hmm. I want to be clear. Mm-hmm. So you guys are working on another ten scale four by four buggy. It is in the works.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could say. I obviously I can't say when. Yeah. Um, but it's something that's definitely you know in the works, just like any of the other 10-scale cars where, you know, yeah. obviously working towards having everything updated at some point, um, just like the T5M just came out, um, you know, like our short course is still, you know, the FV10, but we'll expect to have, you know, a newer short course uh, in the future that, you know, is in that same kind of uh, b 5 or 5. Well, the, the uh, mid motor
0: stuff. Yeah. Now, now is that something associated is going to continue to do is offer only mid motors, but a conversion kit if it needs to.
3: Um, I, I'm assuming you're referring to like the truck.
0: Yeah, it just in general, like, I, like from my understanding, I guess there is no there's there's no in, uh, no interest right now anyway of of releasing a T5 rear motor option. It'll probably just be mid motor.
3: Yeah, um, I mean we. That's obviously a, a difficult decision for us to make mm-hmm. um, because we, as a racing company, want to have a race car that's suited for every kind of condition. And when we came out with the B5, I think that's one of the few cars where one, the two-wheel drive car is obviously a little bit more sensitive to um, setup because it's smaller tires and smaller weight and everything, and they just can go so much faster on the track. But the setup need to be a little bit more critical than, let's say, like a truck, where the truck maybe is a little bit more forgiving in setup. But when the B5 came out, um, we wanted to obviously keep the same pedigree or the same design as the the B4, which had been obviously one of our most successful cars ever. Um, So we wanted to have a car that kind of met that criteria, that's the exact same thing, but just better. And then obviously we needed to make a bin motor uh, version of that buggy to be more competitive on really high-grip tracks, And so um, when we designed that car, we couldn't really have a a flip-floppable car. And when we were doing the T5, we considered, you know, well, now that space isn't as big of an issue because you have so much room to work with under the body that maybe we could do a flip-floppable car, but then maybe not as many parts are shared from the B5 and B5M. And we then really kind of consulted with the rest of our our racing team and, and administrators from, Uh, all regions in the U S as well as overseas and whatnot. And just,
2: you know, really ask them, you know,
3: what are you guys running? And overwhelmingly, a lot of the people said that, you know, if we got rid of a, if we didn't make a rear motor truck, that it wouldn't faze them that, you know, quite honestly, almost all of them said that if they had a mid motor truck, they'd probably be better off for their, you know, track or their racing that they do in that area. So, you know, after kind of doing that poll, it seemed like, well, why would we make, you know, a car that no one's really going to race. I mean, granted, um, where that rear motor truck would shine is on a really loamy, you know, looser, uh, outdoor track or something like that. But there's fewer and fewer of those yeah. kinds of tracks every year. And the majority of the big races that we go to and stuff so like that, like Cactus Classic or yeah. Nationals, usually the grip for those kind of tracks are always, you know, really high. So you're never really racing on a low grip surface anyways. And, even then, that's not to say that you can't take a, a, a T5M and run it on an, an outdoor track and, and have decent success or be decently competitive. Um, just you know, you'd have to be able to just change the setup a bit to kind of cater to it. But yeah. uh, I haven't been involved in some of the the T5M testing, maybe outdoor wise. Um, but I'd I'd be willing to probably bet that you probably aren't too far off the pace from like a, a rear motor truck. Right. Uh, on an outdoor track like that. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those tough things that, you know, then you end up setting the precedence of having, you know, two buggies, two trucks, you know, potentially two short courses or, you know, like and, and then kind of killing the hobby in a certain sense where now people think that they need to have both cars yeah. and, then, you know, kind of driving up the cost when really one car might, in, in that category, like truck, could probably, you know, do the trick.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying, so th- that makes perfect sense. So, funny you mentioning of course, the announcement of the T5M. My, my curiosity is, is kind of sparked on the fact that uh, I noticed, I think, on the RC10B5Nation kind of situation on Facebook, <laughs> these pictures of Cavalieri's T5M showed up, and then mysteriously, about 15 minutes after they showed up, they were gone. Now...
3: Well, did, sorry, for which
0: car? For uh, the yeah, for the T5M because yeah, he was running it, uh, I, can't oh. remember, I think at the what was it CRCRC? It was at OCRC. Yeah, the, yeah. Okay. So my question is: Did did Associated go? Uh, well, it's out there. We really need an announcement, or was that kind of a little bit more of a intentional scuttlebutt? Let's start the buzz and then announce it situation.
3: <laughs> no, I, I think that was one of the days where I think that was before CRCRC where uh, Cody and and Ryan went to the track to kind of give the truck a shakedown and kind of play with it a little bit to kind of dial it in for um, Ryan's liking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if they went to lunch or something like that. I I, I don't know how they got a, a picture snag of it. I mean, usually we'll go to the track sometimes and we'll run and people will see it, but, you know, we just, don't have them take a picture of it. It's not something we want to get out yet. And so I'm assuming, you know, someone maybe snagged a photo of it and, you know, posted it. And then I'm assuming maybe Brent or someone, you know, said, Hey, could you, you know, take that down? Cause we, you know, don't want it up yet, but yeah, it like, wasn't I mean, really that big of a deal at the time because we obviously already had the production truck pretty much done and it was going to be announced with, you know, and very soon after, and uh, it's not like it was really hurting sales of any previous generation trucks. Right. So it wasn't that big of a deal, so it, I, I I, don't have the, the concrete answer on that, but um, it wasn't intentional, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, there was a lot of buzz. Like, oh, I mean, man. everywhere you went that was RC-related, yeah, yeah. there was a picture right, of that but, T5M. And it, it exploded <laughs> when those pictures surfaced. Yeah. It was something else.
3: You would see them, but, and then you'd yeah, to the like, search for it them. It was like once that leaked, we didn't, I mean... We didn't want it to leak, but at the same time, we, we figured it's not like it's really damaging anything, because obviously, like you were saying, it, it created a lot of buzz and whatever, and, you know, sometimes that happens, and that's actually good.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I was putting that anticipation out there, it makes people get really excited about something, and, yeah, you know. I know I'm excited about them. I, uh,
0: you see, with our racing season up here indoors for us, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of 10-scales indoor stuff for me, 8-scales outdoor uh-huh. stuff, so... For me, if I end up getting one and building one, it'll probably be closer to September, which is kind of nice because, you know, the initial release will be out there. There'll be lots of people that have had them, <laughs> done things and stuff like that and and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So, it, it'll definitely be nice to be able to see them out there. I know a stadium truck, for the most part, is not ridiculously crazy everywhere. It's it's kind of hit and miss, I think, where it is, like where it's really popular yeah. and where it's not. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just I'm looking forward to that
1: for sure. You want to pumble Tim with your three thousand B4 for three questions? Yeah, I got a few. I know you're dying. A couple. Okay. <laughs> so uh which one to start Jim, with? Jim Jim's calling it the associated love show. Yeah. Okay sorry Jim, you're outnumbered.
0: Hey Jim, we'll talk to somebody from TLR. You just gotta find the guy. It's not as easy. <laughs> <laughs> um so of course, with all that being we're finally getting to the four four three, uh, and I don't want to hit them with like fifty one questions all at once. What I want to say no first worries. of all, we were you were talking about the durability of the four four three, and you know people complaining that the plastics aren't as good, and of course you know the next iteration will hopefully be just as durable as the B fives have kind of made that uh, so apparent of. Um, but really, durability issues with mine, uh, you know the front arms I changed out for RPMs after I broke one, and I ran mine for four or five races with the stocks until I broke one and that was cuz I mm-hmm. had a collision with a with a short course truck like you know <laughs> you can't do much about that at that point you know yeah uh, so i they i jumped out I, of you. yeah and and i've i've had a couple of good really good spills with my 443 and and you know i think durability wise they're pretty darn good um in mm-hmm. comparison like i've watched a lot of 224s break if you look at them the wrong way you <laughs> know so I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, I'm waiting for Jim to say something or do something. <laughs> but,
3: uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of times, I mean, each car has maybe its its own little weakness. Um, like I know at the, the Reedy race I was at um, just a couple weeks ago, um, I mean, like for our car, you know, it's the front arm, obviously, is the Achilles heel. But mm-hmm. then I was watching and I think I saw JP Richards and his TLR, I think, break, you know, two front arms or something like that, you know, almost like back to back you know, races, and um, I think I saw a few, uh, at least to I think that broke front arms or maybe a, a rear ball stud kind of issue, too, or I think Kevin Motter had an issue like that where he popped a ball cup or broke one, or it seemed like a, a few of the ball cup kind of issues on the 22-4, and I'd seen, I think, like a show break uh, either a rear hub or something like that or a link that, that broke off, too, a couple times. Um, so it's like a lot of them will have their own issues here and there too i mean i think it's hard to say that any one company is perfect in regards to having everything be absolutely durable and also be awesome uh, handling wise so to yeah. try and pick the, the durability <laughs> and the, the handling and making it cost-effective. I mean, you usually can only pick two of those. Yeah. Find, find, three, the
0: ha- so. find the happy medium and try and make the masses somewhat happy with everything.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. For sure. I hear you. I unfortunately just broke a front shock tower, and I was surprised that it even broke. But what can you do, right? Collisions happen, I suppose. Yep. So basically, this is the first question. It's going to be a little bit of a hard hitter because uh, it's one of those things mm-hmm. that got me kind of scratching my head wondering. Now, of course, like I said, when I heard about the four four three, I was take my money. I pre-ordered one. There was no doubt I was getting one. Um, mm-hmm. Now, m- from my understanding, and maybe you can clear up rumor, internet rumors for me or not. I'm understanding that the the second and third runs are coming pre-drilled chassis for the opposite side servo mount. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a few other small things you guys might have changed from the initial releases. So I'm wondering, as a as an initial release, and I'm going to say it right now, a sucker. Because to me, that's kind of how I felt when I heard about this. What can I do other than having to shell out 60 bucks for a new chassis and or drilling and potentially destroying my nothing wrong with chassis? What can somebody like All me right.
3: do? Um, I mean, personally, it's like, a, I guess in terms of like the chassis, yeah, it is a running change. Um, we ended up having it be a running change for the, the next batch that we received just because when we... Had it quoted to see what it would cost to add the additional holes. Um, it wasn't going to be you know a whole lot extra, so we figured we could just go ahead and do that and appease um, the guys that were uh, adding the, the holes to be able to mount their servo over. However, um, like uh, just recently at Reedy Race, um, the open class winner, Kyle McBride, he had a servo in the standard position. Um, no problems. I mean, one. Um, honestly, in my In my opinion, I think it's one of the things that's probably fairly minor in terms of flip-flopping your servo to the other side. Um, So, I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, because you don't have the holes on the other side or you don't flip your servo to the other side, that, you know, your SOL, you're going to be, you know, a second a lap off, you know, uh, the pace. Um, I think it's one of those things that it's for the nitpicky guys. Like, I know um, Cody was uh, messing around with his car, and, you know, decided to try and drill his uh, servo mount over to the other side and try and get it maybe a little bit closer to 50-50, which, I mean, we're only talking maybe a couple tenths of a percent off of 50-50. Yeah. And this will also, this will also vary with the electronics that you have. Right. So unless you have a set of scales, like one of the Sky R C ones that has, like, corner scales, um, to be able to kind of check all that, I almost guarantee that for most, they probably won't notice a difference in lap time by switching from one to the other, uh, from, from left to right, having the servo mounted. Um, it was one of those things that Cody had suggested that, you know, he wanted or whatever to, to do. And, you know, I just, you know, put it through to production or once I found out how much it was going to be or, or if there was any cost difference really.
2: Yeah. And,
3: uh, since there wasn't, we figured we'd kind of go ahead and add it. Um, but it's not something we've really harped on yeah, um, uh, but, because it's kind of a personal preference thing and it depends on the electronics you're on. Cause if you have like maybe a shorty servo, then it might be too light or if you have, you just you just really have to have a set of scales to probably get it, you know, absolutely perfect and really, I think.
0: Yeah. Benefit. Yeah. Solid.
3: <laughs> yeah. And it's just one of those things, right. I think it's not, it's not like changing a ball stud height position, I think in terms yeah. of, uh, how it really affects your lap time. So
0: Yeah, i um, don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. I I kinda looked at everybody when they they seen a picture, I think it was of 4 four four three with it on the other side. It's like, oh did you see Cavalier? And then of course everybody was doing it. It's like, guys really
3: it's 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 yeah, yeah, that that's unfortunately what it is, I think a lot of times too is where and that's one of the reasons I was somewhat apprehensive when Cody wanted to do it. Yeah was that, you know, he wanted to do it to maybe get the weight be a little bit better or something like that left to right but mm-hmm. then the perceived the, or the perception that people when they see that is like oh crap i gotta do that too because i gotta do that to be just as fast or i gotta <laughs> do that because i'm i now don't have the right setup and you know when he does it and ryan does it or something like that then you have unfortunately a lot of people that are you know sheep and then they just they gravitate towards that the sheeple they, <laughs> then it then it trickles and spreads everywhere once once they see like you know ryan's doing it then and it spreads like wildfire and um, and maybe creates, you know, I wouldn't say panic, but like a uh, an urgency to have that when if you were to try and do the testing on your own and did left, right, back and forth, it'd probably be a very minimal difference yeah. if, if at all even noticeable. I mean, you're probably more likely to clip a pipe or something like that than you are to maybe shave a tenth or, or notice <laughs> a tenth of a yeah. second lap difference over
0: laps yeah no 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 so, I, I hear you i just again it was one of those but, ones where i just i had to ask it because you know i know like i said for me it was it was i really don't care i really love dude i run mine in a saddle pack configuration i don't even run the shorty like everybody else does like <laughs> I, you know i found what works for me what what how mm-hmm. i can drive it very well and and it doesn't involve having to move the servo or run a shorty setup or or do anything crazy
3: and, and actually, that—that that I guess I should also mention, uh, since you just said it—is that that sh- uh, servo relocation is really only applicable for a shorty battery. If yeah. you're running a saddle, the saddle pack orientation with the servo where it is is actually the the optimal fifty-fifty left-to-right weight distribution. <laughs> but it's only when you move the motor around and have the shorty pack that it slightly uh, offsets a you know, a couple tenths of a percent. Yeah. Uh, so if you're running the saddle, you're you're golden, you're 50/50. If you uh, are running shorty, then that's where it, it maybe slightly affects it. But it really depends on your electronics package to what yeah. you know, speed control motor, uh, servo, receiver, everything, and where you put them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I agree. I mean, it, it kind of sucks at the same time to you know buy the, the first one and then later on find out they have an update. Um, you know. Six months later, or whatever it is.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of people see that or have that same kind of buyer's remorse. Like you buy a, a new 2014 car and it's like, oh, you know, 2015 now has this option. Dang it, I should have waited. Like, you know, it's, it's always tough to, ha- you know, not have that buyer's remorse sometimes when you see something that comes out later. But yeah. Um, it's just yeah. us trying to do our job of, you know, making improvements where we can. You know, and unfortunately, um, we didn't have it from the, the get go. Yeah, in the hindsight it was yeah.
0: twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so now, uh, uh, kind of a lead into this to, to to touch on that same subject. Then, what are maybe some of the changes that are applicable, or maybe some of the quality issues that were with the first batch that maybe somebody doesn't realize that they could get in touch with AE about, um, and maybe you guys can get them set up with a revised part, or or something like that.
3: Yeah, um, I would say probably the the most common one that I had seen was uh, like what you had mentioned, which was the, the ring gears. Um, we had received a um, bad batch of gears that was, it's not something you typically look for really anyways when you're looking at these ring gears I and mean, mm. you're measuring all the other dimensions and stuff like that, but you, can, you know, or at least our QC guy doesn't, you know, think to, you know, have to check every tooth on the gear because usually that's all pretty automated and it comes out pretty pretty well. Um, but we just happen to have, you know, an inconsistent batch where we had uh, some of the ring gears where one of the tooth was thinner and, than it's supposed to be and then right next to it was one that was thicker. And as a result, when you'd build it up and you'd roll the disc, you would hear a click in the transmission. And that is something where if you were the contact AE uh, we'd most definitely get you, you know, sorted out and get you a, a replacement uh, ring gear, um, because that was just unfortunately something that we, you know, didn't expect or catch um, before they went out because it's kind of a hit and miss. I mean, like some people would have no issues, maybe maybe a kit would have one or maybe yeah. a kit would have both. And it was just so sporadic, um, but that's all been addressed. We I had contact the manufacturer and said, you know, hey, what's the deal? And they said that, you know, apparently uh, when they checked the, the, the tool that holds the, the gears or something like that had loosened up or just ever so slightly loosened up. So when it would start cutting it, it would tweak it to one side, and then by the time it got finished, you your tooth count was slightly off at the end or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've gotten that addressed. Um, if people have any of those effective ring gears, uh, I'm not sure what the process is for... Usually getting that taken care of. I'm sure, if, like you send them a picture, they'll take care of it, or uh, and send you a new one to our customer service. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, some of the other things that we've we've updated, um, and this was actually even prior to um, Jason Snyder's, you know, <laughs> review video of our car. Like uh, it, it's it's unfortunately one of those things where you know the, the car came out and. We found some, you know, production issues, and you know, as you're trying to address them, obviously someone gets the car,
2: yeah. has
3: these issues, and even no. though a lot of the stuff is kind of already in the pipeline or in the works of being fixed, yeah, you know, it, it it always looks like, oh, well, they just responded to you know this video or whatever. In the same way, where like you know, a, a new RC car comes out, and then like shortly after, maybe a month or two later. You know, another one comes out that has some similar feature, or looks similar. It's like, oh, they obviously copied, you know, so and so. And it's like, well, it doesn't take a couple months to make a whole new car. You have to. It's a it's like a year-long process, so it just happened to be a coincidence or something like that. But um, it always appears that way to the to the consumer. But uh, but we did have uh, the uh, input shafts for the uh, pinion gear, mm-hmm. the flats on those have been, uh, lengthened. So that way, when you, uh, slide on the pinion gear, um, you have more, cl- or I guess I'm trying to think of how to word it, uh, more clearance or the, the pinion gear slides past the end of the shaft so that it's really easy to put on the, the E-clip. You oh. don't have to kind of get it in at an angle. It just <laughs> kind of goes straight on and you clip it on. And, uh, it's one of those things where like, it was just, Height from the, the, the yeah. beginning, like or, or some of the original samples we had, uh, it wasn't uh, an issue right. when, when we received them because the uh, the fitment of the ring gear was maybe a little bit looser or whatever. And you could actually kind of tilt the, the ring gear to one side a little or sorry, the pinion a little bit more to get the, the the e clip on. Yeah. I know myself and Cody both had built them and hadn't really had an issue, but when we received the production ones, and they kind of tighten up the tolerances a lot more, right? All of a sudden, you didn't kind of have that same wiggle room, and it was way harder to to get those uh, e clips on there. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so that was an issue we addressed um, to make it easier because I mean it's, it's obviously a valid point. It's 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 tough you uh get it on easily if you don't have yeah, the right tool. yeah it and was people uh have a pair
0: of pliers so i, I was um, definitely sitting i was definitely sitting there uh when i went to put the first one in and went oh we're gonna do this oh, are we I,
1: I heard all about that <laughs> and if this wasn't a family friendly podcast i would tell you the words that matt was saying to me on the phone
3: <laughs> it was bad it no, was just i, I, could, I could imagine
1: you know, it's it's.
3: Hey, one of,
0: I didn't break any. I the two that came in the kit, <laughs> I used. There is a little dab of CA glue <laughs> holding them because they got bent a little. But I used the two that came in the kit.
1: It took it took them longer to get those two eclipse on than it did to build the whole kit. Yeah. I time
0: lapse the whole <laughs> thing. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned Jason Snyder because we we talked to him two podcasts ago, and that's what he had said. He's like, because I didn't disagree with him. The the build. To me, left a little bit to be uh, desired from it, you know, compared to to other builds that I've done. But at the same time, I love the car. Like, you know what, how well the car drives for me, how well I do with the car has far exceeded and outweighed the issues I had building it. So, you know, if somebody had asked me, what do you say about buy one? Yeah, it might be a little bit of pain in the butt to build, but you're just going to love it once you get it on the track and really can can wheel it. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: You gonna ask? Yeah. um, What was I gonna say? There was one other thing. Um, Oh, and then uh, the uh, shims uh, for the for the diff for the um, out drives the little smaller diameter shims. Yeah. uh, We've also uh, we ended up actually just making a new stamping tool and um, and producing a new shim because the the shim that we got. obviously wasn't cutting it like it was um pretty much a net fit almost with the idea of the bearing when uh you know it's supposed to be you know just under the the bearing um id uh, and be able to slide over yeah and then on top of that it didn't help that the id of the shin was bigger than it was supposed to be like it's supposed to be for like a five millimeter shaft and so maybe it'd be plus 0.05 0.05 millimeters yeah, uh, give it that in way. ID so that it'd slide over the shaft and be fine. But it ended up being like, I think it was like 5.13 or 1.5 millimeter, like a 10th of a millimeter, which doesn't seem like much. But when the OD of the shim is already close to a net fit with the ID of the bearing, being off another 10th of a millimeter, being able to slide to one side another 10th of a millimeter just makes it, you know, that much harder to get the bearing on and over. Um, so that had been addressed yeah. with, uh, Having a, a smaller OD <laughs> shim, um, that'll be a replacement because it's it's obviously been a problem, like you know, for a lot of people, where it's like you try and get the bearing over. If you you know, in that if you build it in that order, you you know have a hard time getting that that bearing over. Yeah. it's just like a, a couple of like gremlins where it's like, ah, oh, like you know, <laughs> you, you don't really have this issue beforehand or whatever, yeah. and then you know production comes around and you have gears that click or you have you know it's unfortunate. And I mean, obviously it's like, people think like, Oh, you know, eight years is going downhill. They don't even care or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, it's like, I guarantee you, like, you know, no one here wants to have a, you know, a kick go out the door that, you know, you know, isn't perfect. And, you know, sometimes you don't catch these things and they go out and then you just try and do your best to try and make it right. And, you know, make sure that people are happy with it. And uh, if you can't, then, um, you try and at least you know come out with something later on that will be you know uh even better, and they'll be even more apt to to wanna get from you so yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like it uh it, it takes everything to go right in the kit, but it can only take you know one or two things to go wrong to completely you know derail so um it's unfortunate, but so is it, obviously is it is working?
1: It, would it be safe to say that you know you guys kind of took a lesson from this, and, and maybe it's going to change the way you evaluate things, like before they go to production, or?
3: or uh, I mean, it... we definitely learned a little bit more with our our uh, ring gears. I mean, like like with anything, like yield, because uh, like we we've had eight scale gear diffs and stuff like that, but the the previous eight scale gear diffs were spiral cut. Uh, gears, and now uh, these gears that we had for the four wheel driver were straight cut which is which is better than our previous generation uh eight skill or their uh, gear diff or the the tooth profile is spiral and straight cut gears um, uh, should be better in our application um, and it's just one of those things where I think you kind of you know you learn from it you learn that uh you know it's something you gotta put on the QC note sheet to, you know, check for the, the, the gear teeth and stuff that, you know, something that you don't
2: mm-hmm, always see
3: yeah. for, you kind of measure a lot of the bearing fitments and you make sure that that's all good and mm-hmm. you expect everything else to be correct. But, um,
0: I have a feeling, uh, Tim might've kicked a garbage can or two after the first batch came out <laughs> going, Oh my
1: God, are we for real?
3: Yeah. And it's just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, Yeah. This shouldn't I've,
1: have happened, but it is right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and that's just one of those things that kind of you know frustrates you. and You have no, no real way to fix it once it kind of goes out yeah. of, than just you know get you know back to work and try and you know see how you can fix it as best as possible and as soon as possible. So, when, um, so oh, like the, the the shims, I believe, um, like we are just getting them in for the, the next batch of kits and I know we'll have them available really soon um, in spare parts as well as like if you, uh, I, I don't think they're very expensive, but if you maybe contact customer service or something like that, they might be able to, to take care of you in that regard. I'm not really certain. I don't want to overstep my bounds and then have customer service saying like <laughs> we have a thousand people calling about you know shins or something. But uh, but I know that I, I ended up making a, a new set of shins for us, that uh, are the same thickness and smaller OD as the current kit shims, as well as an additional, even thinner shim, so you can maybe more finely tune your uh, internal disc shimming or your your gear mesh. Um, I'm trying to think, was there anything else that well, had been.
0: Well, I do want to ask you about outdated. shims. <laughs> well, I don't know, but uh, have you. Why did it come with a whole whack of other shims?
3: Okay, so that, <laughs> the, the the big shim that came in the kit was a uh, mistake from uh, Thunder Tiger where, or I guess a partner ring mistake, where they ended up packaging um, the shims, or the, they essentially just packaged the incorrect shims, and, but those shims were like a bag within a bag or something like that, yeah. and they were due to ship, um, and... The shims that were supposed to be correct were just added in, but since the other ones were like a bag within a bag, and it was gonna be a, a ton of extra labor um, that they that we decided just to go ahead and like leave those in because you could technically use them as shims if you wanted to internally. Um, but you couldn't use them for the the external. outside of the yeah, dip shimming. Yeah. Obviously, Um,
2: well, you but, can try. Uh, <laughs> it was one of those
3: things where was gonna be, it was a delay. I think the the shipment or something like that, like another couple of days for them to go through a thousand or more plus boxes and tearing open all those bags and pulling out um, all of those shims. And we decided that you know what, we could probably go ahead and ship these out um, with the new shims because you know people would be able to maybe go off of the new shims and put install those. But unfortunately hindsight 2020 and there were you know several people or lots of people that were confused as to which shim they were supposed to use i mean even though the the manual kind of showed to scale what the yeah. shim is supposed to look like relative to the outdrive there were still you know a bit of confusion with which shim you're supposed to use and you know like hindsight like the kit should have maybe come with a little supplement piece that said disregard these shims yeah yeah, yeah. put, it, put but, a scale
1: uh-huh. image of them main.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: uh, you know what? Though, right. I'm okay. You didn't decide to have them removed and take a few more days because when it got pushed back from September to October, my heart sank because <laughs> it was like I'm not gonna have my car for the first race
2: of the year.
3: Yeah, and that's that's always the the unfortunate bind, I guess, in my position that you're put in is you know you're you're trying to meet the deadlines that the the sales and marketing people want at the same time. You you want to um, you know, make sure that there's no kind of build issues and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like, you know, having extra shims and people being confused. Because obviously you, you go through and make the manual a certain way, and if it doesn't mention those shims, people are going to get confused. And so you're kind of in a bind, like, well, you know, does this affect the, the the kit build in any way where people can't build it or something like that? And it's like, well, no, it doesn't, you know. So in order to help appease or, you know, meet the, Because, like, I guess, you know, with the sales and other stuff that I'm not really involved in, there's lots of other issues there where it's like, you know, maybe a vendor or a distributor says we need to have this order by this date. You know, we can't push it back anymore or I'll start to cancel their order or something like that. So I'm sure the salespeople have their pressure of why they need things by a certain date. And we just try and do our best to make sure the, the kit's, you know, perfect before it goes out. And unfortunately that was one of those things where I was like, well, it doesn't really affect anything. If anything, it's like a bonus. Like a, it's like a bonus fry you find at the bottom of your McDonald's bag or something. It's like, oh <laughs> I didn't expect that. Eat I didn't yours. order this apple pie. <laughs> Free fries. Yay! Yeah, exactly. So Exactly. But um,
1: a question for you when you when yeah. you're leading up into production or to release date, uh, you know, you say, Okay, we're gonna release this on October twenty fourth. How many How many of the B four forty four point threes were sitting in the box ready to go? Like, is it a thousand, ten thousand, five million? Like, what kind of numbers are you trying to get out the door?
3: To be honest, I I couldn't tell you, but mm. I think it's I think it's at least you know uh, a few thousand.
1: Okay,
3: <laughs> um, I just I know that so they, it, they were on too. It, it's definitely too. quite a few.
1: You know, the first batch went out, and then all of a sudden, A-Main Tower, everybody was like, "Oh, backorder, backorder. And you're Like, holy man, yeah,
3: didn't even have a
0: chance. It <laughs> was like they could, the pre order like they they came in stock. The pre orders got filled. And they literally lasted about two hours after the pre-orders were filled, and they were sold out again.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I mean, like that stuff is always tricky for our salespeople to kind of figure out how many to order or whatever. I mean, usually you have some that are put on order or back order first, and then when we get our first shipment, a lot of them are already pretty much spoken for, and then all of a sudden you have to mm-hmm. you know wait till the, the next shipment arrives and whatnot. But well, hey, um, yeah, I, I know that it's it's enough to where it's obviously an issue when you know you have. Uh, shims or something like that. They're often like yeah, a or a green gears where it's like there's, you know, thousands of them there, and it's like you know you have no way of figuring out which, which one's which or it. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I, I, re- I know you followed the RC tech for the like I know like I know you were following it. And, and me, mm-hmm. you know, some of the lengths that some people go to to know when these things are going to be in, like some people that work at, like, the shipping yards in California, oh, i seen the bin that's... Oh, it's impressive. It's like, <laughs> holy gee... Like, man, you take being obsessed with RC to the
3: next level, you know, like... Yeah, some of, the, some of those posts are pretty impressive, where people would be like, oh, I found whatever, you know, part yeah, the, number at the bottom, that <laughs> Power Hobbies page, or something like that, or people would be like, oh... You know, Tower Hobbies is discontinued. Whatever car, a new car must be coming, or like just the the different ways people go about. You know, yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, or even even uh, I think we've had like you know certain press releases that go out to the distributors first before going public, and you know, occasionally like sometimes those press releases leak early because I'm assuming someone that works at you know yeah. Great Plains or one of the distributors and like that, um, you know, ends up. Posting it or something, and then people know about it. A you little guys
0: just—you so. m- guys must love social media nowadays. It just—it
3: <laughs> could be. It, a dub- it's a—it's—it's it's a double-edged sword. It <laughs> definitely is nice to be able to communicate with all your, you know, fans or people that much easier. But at the same time, it makes you also that much more accessible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's uh, yeah, uh, you know, no, no, have people I, I, asking you stuff all the time or whatever. Uh, you're just easier to get a hold of, which is fine, but it just comes with the territory.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now we're gonna get into the the question of the night for me, Tim. Why plastic, plastic. nuts to hold my shocks <laughs> on? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> like, would it have really killed you guys to put like a lock nut in there with a like? Really? <laughs> really?
3: Um, yeah. I, I guess I do have my answer as as promised. <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing is for us that we we don't have a we we've never sold a. I guess I should start off again. <laughs> the yeah. We'll edit that out. do uh, the, the the previous standard for us on all of our cars really had been those Nylock nuts. Yeah. And um, we we've never had a small metal lock nut with a flange on it for that application and. Um, for the most part, like that nut doesn't have any issues usually if you don't over tighten it or from just repeatedly taking it on and off me, they'll, they'll kind of wear out just like other parts that wear out on the car. Um, but I think the biggest things are that there isn't, there wasn't a, uh, flange lock nut that, uh worked well in that in that spot before.
2: Right.
3: Um, that was 440 that we offered. Because, like, now we have, you know, symmetric little flange nuts that work well for, like, our B5. Um, but that's something we've always had available. Um, usually, like, all of our pro like, you know, Ryan, Cody, a lot of those guys, I mean, everyone uses those, those plastic ones. Um, and for the most part, if they're fairly fresh, they have no issues. But if they've been on there a while, or you take a, you know, a weird hit or something like that, that's the only time that I've ever seen those have issues. Because yeah. otherwise under normal use, the shocks are pushing, you know, up and down. They're yeah. not
0: no, no pushing no.
3: The, no. that that nut off mm. under normal operation unless you, you hit something.
0: Yeah, I had um, one of those weird ones and it literally it just cracked and it was like, How did that crack? Like
3: what the Oh really? And you um, can, like just you... on, on the car while driving? Or? Yeah,
0: yeah. It was it was an issue in one of oh, the wow. heats and I, I couldn't finish and of course you Mike can vouch for this. I'm the last guy to really over-tighten things. If anybody's going to over-tighten it, it's Mike. <laughs> yeah, That's why I call him Gorilla Grip hmm. half the time, because he'll <laughs> hand me something say, I can't get this screw out, and I just look at him with that look of like, oh, not again. If you ever
1: need anybody to test how tight you can make something, yeah. just send it my way, yeah. and I will put it to the test.
3: <laughs> okay. It, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, don't, I won't have you put on my oil filter on my car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, Good <laughs> no. no. luck getting oh, it America off get it after two thousand t- miles. Uh,
1: now that I'm always bugged about it, I'm <laughs> a lot more conscious of it. But for some reason, mm-hmm. I just have this, you know, tighter is better. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, the, it's the not. The back. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, what,
1: that's what I need. I need screwdrivers <laughs> with the torque setting, so when I hit, like, you know, the two pounds, it goes click, click, click. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those are expensive. I've looked um, at them. They're very expensive.
3: I guess, to, to get back on the, the net, though, that cracked, was it, was it cold? Because um, I know you guys are in Canada. Was it cold when we were racing? No,
0: we were in a heated for gym a running on carpet, uh, indoor off-road with them, and... Like I said, it was just a weird one. I know I, I probably, I think it did flip or something like that. And it was just, it was really weird. Like the shock fell off and I was like, well, what the heck happened? And, you know, the guy grabbed the nut off the floor for me and everything like that and brought it back. And of course me, I put it back together. I put the nut on. And then I'm like, it's
1: cracked. Yeah. I mean, How did the, it crack? the the, the, tr- the truck would have been, or the, 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 yeah, we'll call it a truck. Would have been out in the cold for about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. At the most. But this is in gets, the heat. So
3: this is a brought few hours. In, yeah. It's a few
1: hours inside, you know. So, I mean, it should have been at room temperature
3: but maybe yeah, the, cause I was going to say, like, if it is colder, I mean, the, the plastics do get a bit more brittle when it's cold. So mm-hmm. if it was, you know, somewhat cold and then had, like, a, uh, a sharp impact or hard impact, mm-hmm. but that could just maybe cause it to fracture like that if it was cold. Because I've seen other parts, uh, not on our cars necessarily, but that uh, when it's colder out, you know, break. Um, but uh, for the most part, just the way that the shock works on that car, it shouldn't be pushing that nut off. So it's kind of a, a weird... Yeah, it was probably a fluke. I just, wait, I had like Wait to, for it to yeah. break. What? Um I mean, it's one of those things where it's, like, it's never really been a problem before. I know I've seen people in the past that try to use, like, the the quarter-inch 440 lock nuts on that car. And you end up having issues where the nut, like, the edges of the nut will, you know, rub or bind on the shock cap in a weird way. Yeah. Um. Well, and so that's not as desirable and that's why you want like at least some kind of a flange maybe yeah. rather than just like the sharp corners of a nut well, or you try and use the mini lock nuts but then the mini lock nuts are too small and then you end up having the, the shock you know come off of there Yeah. and so in order to be able to use the mini lock nuts you have to use like a small washer so then you have to have a small washer and the mini lock nut and you try and take off your socks to service them now you have all this hardware yeah. everywhere so so
1: what
0: i
3: the, did the plastic one has been the best yeah. for the most part um if there was a a handy aluminum one that was 440 that was about that size then i think we'd probably be golden but yeah um, we've never had one and it's just kind of has been what's been standard on that b4 generation type car where you yeah. have that nylox Nut up top. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I I ended up going with uh uh the MIP uh 440 uh like the small nuts like that, but I actually had a bunch of uh and I still have a bunch of them. Just uh, basically they're almost the right size of flange, but they're like a nylon material. So I was able to put one of those in and then put the nut on, so it still moves freely and has all of its range of motion mm. and it can't mm-hmm. just Pop off, and that's kind of what I used with success. And now, of course, breaking the shock tire, I had to take it apart, and I've noticed that you know the nylon washers done its job, but it's wearing away. So I'll just I'm gonna go and I'll swap them all out. And I, I yeah, like I said, I got a million of those things laying all over the place from different stuff. So I'll just keep using them until I run <laughs> out, and then figure something else out. But that was my big question. So at least there's some explanation to it. It just apparently I'm a fluke, and I like breaking things that shouldn't have broke, but. <laughs>
3: I mean, I, I guess aside from like that, it's like if you wanted to get nitpicky, it'd be like you know, yeah, it's a little bit lighter, so it lowers the CG, or you know, yeah, it's more cost effective, or whatever. But I mean, I, I think quite honestly, the, the main reason is that there's never been a, a nut that we've offered in that size of the flange, yeah. and then that becomes a new partner. We have to just kind of introduce maybe for a shorter period of time than you'd like, because eventually, you know, all the cars will be metric and um, and, and move on, uh, to different hardware. So, yeah. um, so
1: yeah, <laughs> I got a few questions. Here you got a few. I, yeah. That I've been writing down as okay. we've been going. That, that, cool. So I know I'm,
0: I got one more for sure. I want to ask him but you get. okay. Yours. Well, yeah, I'll,
1: I'll tear through a couple of these. So, off the so Tim, right can here. you kind of elaborate a little bit on the differences between your HD plastics and like the regular plastic? I know you can buy certain parts in in what they call HD plastic.
3: Uh, are you referring to like the the a arms and stuff, yeah, or are you referring yeah. to the ball the ball cups?
1: No, like the the a arms and and certain other plastic pieces, shock towers. I've seen them in the HD plastic.
3: Oh, Okay, I thought I, thought, I could double check. I thought we called them hard.
1: Well, but, yeah. Well, I've, um, maybe it is hard. I'm yeah. saying HD heavy duty. Oh, hard. okay. Same okay, thing.
3: That's where just the confusion that's coming yeah, from. So, yeah, sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah,
1: sorry about that. No.
3: Yeah. Um, no. The, the hard parts are essentially um the the same, if you will, as the the, the 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 regular plastic parts. Other than they're they're stiffer because they have more fiberglass in them, um, so um they're going to be just you know stiffer. But at the same time, you always have that that trade off of when you have a stiffer part, it's usually not as tough. So it's not going to be as flexible or be able to take maybe the same kind of abuse. And so instead mm-hmm. of maybe flexing a little bit more, now it's going to crack. Um, so a lot of the guys prefer the, the hard arms, uh, usually cause that's one of the, the few parts where it's like you ideally would like to have that be as rigid as possible for, for racing conditions, but that may not always be ideal for, crashing conditions mm-hmm.
2: well, no, <laughs> uh, yeah. and th-
3: then like shock towers and stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. And you answered it exactly what I wanted to know. Cause I know we had talked about it like, what is the difference? And then we kind of said, you know, well, it's probably, they are more brittle because it's a harder plastic mm-hmm. and you just led into that to exactly ex- we were thinking was right and what we had heard. And, yeah. Yeah. And things like
3: that. It's for the most part, the same kind of base uh, material as the, the softer stuff. It just has more fiberglass in it to make it stiffer And the reason we kind of carried that on was actually from the the B4, where the B4, we always had, like, our base plastic parts, and then we also had our, you know, carbon parts. And that was, you know, uh, often used to kind of tune the car. Like, sometimes they would put, you know, the softer plastic arms in the rear um, to maybe give it the feel of more grip, or if it's, you know, a hot outdoor track or something like that, like Cactus used to be, then those softer uh, parts would, get a little bit more flexy in the heat so then you'd want to have like the carbon parts or whatever because they would you know stay stiffer and so it was a uh tuning option that we kind of you know carried forward in the in the b5 realm of parts and then we just kind of designate the difference obviously with the the color like we used to
1: okay so another question and it's kind of the same you know uh gear diffs versus ball diffs Mm -hmm. We kind of saw the ball diff become a real popular thing for like, it just Mm kind of spiked all of a sudden and kind of saw it in a bunch of vehicles, whether it be associated TLR or whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now everybody's kind of go back to this, the gear gear diff. diff. Is there like an application Mm -hmm. that the ball diffs really fit for and, you know, it wasn't working out? Can you kind of just elaborate on that a little bit?
3: You want to use a gear diff over a ball diff?
1: Well, no, yeah, and uh, yeah, and the differences, you know what I mean? Like when a ball diff okay. would be better over the gear diff, you know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and are you talking about maybe two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, or just in general? Uh,
1: In general, or you can elaborate on both, w- yeah. whatever you prefer.
3: Because i was just saying, in general, in two-wheel drive, we use the ball diff much more than we do in the four-wheel drive. Um, I think mainly because um, with a ball diff, you have a much finer resolution in diffing action. So when you turn one wheel versus the other, um, it's a little bit smoother than with a gear diff. And that smoothness is important when maybe you're more traction-limited because um, every time you feel one of those notches or that there's a a difference in resistance in the the diff from, like, the gears or something like that, Mm -hmm. that can play a part in how much grip you have because you now have at the tire contact patch a you know sudden increase in resistance and then less resistance in it wanting to turn and then those little minute differences are what cause maybe the tire to skid a little bit more because it all of a sudden there's more resistance in the wheel turning so now instead of turning it's going to skid and so those like, little minute things like that can give you the, the, the feel of more grip when, when the diff is able to diff out more, more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, is uh, reliability, too, when the, the traction comes up. Um, I remember going to nationals in Chico and seeing a lot of guys um, having issues with the, the ball discs you know, holding together. Um, because they would have to run them so tight for how much grip you have there that in order to lay down the power, you have to run them a lot tighter, um, or you end up maybe stripping the gear or, you know, the, the, the discs themselves, the balls and everything kind of go bad because you have to run them so tight mm-hmm. that, you know, after a run or two, you're, you you're you know, toasting them. Um, so the gear discs give you the advantage of obviously having a really robust um, power delivery as well as, still having a way of tuning um, the, the the diffs with the fluid to be able to kind of control how easy they, they do diff out so you can kind of get different, um, different feel out of the car, whether it's having the rear a little bit thinner so that it can, you know, pivot around the rear wheels a little bit more easily like on a, a four-wheel drive car or maybe you thicken up the front a lot so you get more drive out of the corners. Um, you can play around with that a little bit and the diffs, The gear diffs, at least, are um, kind of a uh, dynamic tool, if you will, for for tuning, where as the car tries to diff out more and more, and the internal gears spin faster and faster, they try and shear that diff fluid even faster, and as it tries to shear it faster, it creates more resistance, because it's like, you know, more wind drag on a car, where you try and go faster and faster, and at a certain point, the car has more drag, and it can't really go any faster because of that drag, and that that analogy kind of works with with a diff where as mm-hmm. the, the internal gear spin faster you get more resistance so uh, whereas a ball diff you don't really have that kind of change in resistance um with with the, the, the wheels diffing out it's kind of always the same but with a gear diff, you can kind of have it feel a little bit freer but then if it starts diffing out it maybe um uh, locks up a little bit more mm-hmm. if you will
1: well, and obviously the fluid that you put in the gear diff is going to change how quickly that, that lockout happens, yeah. right?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, more, more or less, yeah. The, the, the thicker fluids will happen you know, faster, but you usually at least get some kind of a, mm-hmm. a curve or difference in in the, how it diffs out versus like a ball diff.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's obviously a lot quicker to tune a ball diff because, I mean, all you got to do is pop an axle out and you're right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where with a gear diff, you either have five, five or six of them built. With different fluids mm-hmm. in them, you know, or you're rebuilding them on the fly, which is not exactly the world's fastest thing to do in my no. books, but <laughs> yeah,
3: you know, so and it, luckily, I, luckily, ahead. I think, though, with, with uh, the gear diff tuning is that for the most part, unless you have like three tracks locally that you go to that are happen to all be kind of different surfaces, like one's carpet, one's clay, or whatever, for the most part, if you're racing at you know one track over and over again, you're probably not messing around with your diff fluids too often and even then if you go to a big race and it's a new layout or a place you haven't been you know there's only a few different fluids you're maybe trying like in the rear you're maybe going on a four-wheel drive from like 5k to maybe 10k or something like that you know it's not like i guess you have uh the same resolution as you do shock oils it's like you have two and a half weight differences or something i mean at least you're always within a certain window Mm -hmm. range of what you'll you'll be running um so it's not Terrible, I guess to have to change it out, but um, I do get what you're saying where like a ball diff, you can kind of slightly, you know, tweak it a little bit and it's, it's a quick and easy adjustment. But, uh,
1: uh I personally prefer a gear year. diff. I can tell you that right now. Cause I got uh, the B5 with the, with the ball diff. Mm-hmm. And in my cart is waiting on back order to get the gear diff. The gear diff. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I, I honestly like the feel of the gear diff better. Now we run on carpet, so the traction's through. Right, I was just
3: say on carpet, it's different. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, I know that's where you guys normally run on. Yeah,
1: we don't like it. Like Matt said, we basically run our ten scale stuff indoor on carpet, and then our eight scale, we pretty much put it anywhere we can get it to go. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, Concrete um, in parks, <laughs> uh, yeah. Brick walls, <laughs> trees, anything you name it. <laughs> Uh, so can you even now again? I just want to lead into my next question. Can you kind of do the same thing with rear motor versus the mid motor? I know you kind of touched that traction uh, and and track grip is a big thing. What else kind of are factors that you would want to consider when going mid motor or going rear?
3: Uh, for, I mean, I'm assuming. I guess now you're talking about like maybe the the B5 when you'd want to use maybe a rear motor versus a mid motor. Yeah,
1: sure. Car? Let's use the B5. Yeah, sure. that's an yeah, example. Absolutely. Sure.
3: Um, yeah, I guess that's the easiest. Um, I think the the biggest thing is is whether or not you actually feel like your your traction limited in the rear. Like if it feels like you've done everything and you still can't get that rear grip, um, then yeah, a rear motor uh, inherently has more rearward weight bias and it's going to have more weight on the rear tires and it's gonna it's going to have more um, more yeah. traction. But that's not to say that with a mid motor car. You can't um, add the, the brass rear uh, arm mounts or something like that or, or tune some of the other things like oftentimes, you know, just lowering the rear roll center on your mm-hmm. mid-motor car will make it feel like it has more traction. It gives you that same kind of locked-in feeling, um, which is usually either making the link, you know, longer or raising it on the inner ball stud. Um, or even lowering the outside mount on um, the hub, uh, lowering that, uh, all those things uh, uh, will, or making all those adjustments will lower the the rear roll center and, and cause the car to roll onto the rear more, and, or, or can transfer more weight onto the rear when you're going around the corner and stuff,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: uh, give you the feeling of more traction. Um, I think for the most part, like I was leading onto earlier with the T5M but I think most tracks you, you probably can get away with a, uh, a B5M, you know, on a looserish track. I, I think that the tires have gotten pretty good or usually you can find a, a good tread pattern and compound and the tracks, you know, are usually decently maintained or usually have pretty good grip. I mean, I would say if you're trying to drive like your B5 on an eight scale track where those are, you know, super blown out, dusty, potholes everywhere, you're probably going to be struggling with, with anything you probably put out there unless you have a, an 8-scale with, you know, uh, four-wheel drive and, and, and decent-sized tires all the way around that yeah. are pretty aggressive. Um, but um, I think with with us, at least, like we, we probably almost never go to a race anymore where we bring both cars um, unless we can really anticipate that it's going to be somewhat loamy. But I think for us, it's usually like, you know, we can bank on mid-motor being pretty good um, but that's not to say, I think, that if you have a rear motor car for most clay tracks, too,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, I would say that the grip level on most tracks is at a decent overlap to where you probably, you know, can be really competitive if you're a decent driver with the, the, the rear motor car. And if you're about the same skill level, you might be a little bit faster with the mid-motor. But it really kind of depends on the, the type of track. If you have a lot of high-speed sweeping turns, then the mid-motor is probably going to have an advantage there. But if it's just a lot of short little point-and-shoot areas, Mm -hmm. you probably do just fine with the rear motor. Um, But I think a lot of times it's just uh, the biggest deciding factor is always skill level. Um, Like if you had two people of equal skill level where they crash very few times, Mm -hmm. then the the B5M will probably have an advantage on uh, a medium-grip kind of surface
1: so medium grip and up is, is definitely a mid-motor kind of favorite.
3: As I a, think so. I think that's where that transition obviously starts, where, like, you know, you know you'll probably be able to go around pretty well with a, with a yeah. mid-motor. And, and, um, but, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that, like, when I, when I go around, uh, when I go to my uh, hometown there in Oregon, and obviously the racing scene isn't as big as it is down here in SoCal, and you see kind of people of all different kind of talent levels and, I mean, uh, up there, you have some guys that are really, really good. And then just kind of the, the, the guy that's just getting started versus down here, you have a lot more people that are at the track all the time. And you have a lot more like factory sponsored guys down here. Mm-hmm. And up there, you'll have, you know, someone that has a B5 or a B5M and like novice and they're probably just battling each other. Cause you know, it's all about maybe who crashes less. And then, um, even in like the stock or upper level classes, it's like you have guys that are spending tons of money on all the aftermarket, you know, lightweight drivetrain stuff. And then you have someone that has all bone stock stuff mm-hmm. and they are both still decently competitive. <laughs> so,
1: You saying that just <laughs> made another question pop into my head. Does it drive you nuts at all watching, you know, like MIP and all these other companies come out with those parts? Like you're like, okay, we just engineered this car. You know, and now it's all being changed because guys are chasing after lighter weights and and all those kind of things. Like, do you ever kind of just say to yourself, like, can you guys just leave it alone?
3: (laughs) Sometimes. I mean, (laughs) there's some things where, for us, we obviously can't really make it. Like, for a while, we couldn't even have titanium screws because to try and be competitive with someone else that like Lunsford or Shell or something that just sell direct, mm-hmm. we have to sell it to a distributor and then they it up even more and then all of a sudden we're priced out of the game and we can't be competitive. So there's a lot of times where companies like MIT or Shell, or like these aftermarket companies, that they make some cool trick aluminum parts that we maybe don't make because for us to be able to price, to be able to I guess, be competitive. make any money off of it and have it sell to distributors, we just can't. But they can just sell it direct and they essentially don't have to worry about that, you know, markup, and they can sell it at a, a, a decent price. But we've been actually able to uh, recently have parts like the titanium screws and other stuff where now we sell direct from our website, and we can now start making some of these uh, parts that we wanted to make or something like that, but just hadn't been able to because by the time we'd be able to try and mark things up to make any kind of profit, we're you know out of the the, the the competition when you have other guys who could sell it for less. Yeah, but uh, I, I I do see it. You mean like you have other parts that come out, and it's like, oh well, we designed it like a certain way, but you kind of see what they're trying to do with it, and it's like, oh. I, I,
1: well, do you ever yeah. see any of those parts as a disadvantage? Like, like because you're you're the engineer, right? So you're kind of like, oh, these guys mm-hmm. put this part in, they're they're changing our weight distribution, they're changing, you know, our thinking of. Again, I I'm so far from an engineer, it's it's crazy. You know, so it just do you kind of think of it that way sometimes, and, and whatnot.
3: Uh, yeah, I think I mean, nothing comes to mind right now, but I know that there's been instances like that where it's like, oh, you know, this company either kind of copied our design but made it out of this material, mm-hmm. and um, you know, they didn't realize why we had to make it out of that or something like that, yeah. or um, but they just kind of copied it or um, or didn't consider some of the other benefits of it. Um, I, I've seen that before, I, I know for sure. I just can't think of time examples yeah, of no, that. But then there's other times, like I was saying, like, you know, there's certain parts where it's like, oh, I wish we could make that one a little bit apart, but, you know, yeah,
2: we'd we be reasonable. priced out of
3: it. But now now we've gotten a lot a lot better with it. I think that's something more in the past, like, you know, a couple of years ago, where like, we couldn't do that, and now we've been doing much better about that with a lot of the B5 mm-hmm. parts or new parts that have been coming out with.
1: I've noticed it. Uh, honestly, I have because I'm cruising A Main's website, and I'm like, "Oh, look! Now Associated's making these. You know, you can buy them right from them rather than." Oh, you mentioned that Associated and parts and stuff. Yeah, I was like, so- "Holy cow! Associated's coming out with all this titanium stuff now. What's going on?" Do, do <laughs> Tim, do you know when the uh,
0: the motor plates for the three year <laughs> transmission are actually going to be available from? Can, like, can, like we, a- can we
1: get two, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, know, I we know we know you have some in your office. We
0: just need two. Man, OCRC. <laughs> I, I was watching OCRC there at the Reedy race, and they're like, oh, we're all stocked up. If you want a three-gear transmission, I'm going, yeah, well, too bad I'm on the other coast, and I can't exactly walk in and buy a friggin' motor plate.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure. I mean, like to be honest, I haven't really been racing my, my two-wheel much uh, since like a few weeks before Reedy. Like, I think for Christmas, I went up north to Oregon and did some carpet racing with my two-wheel and four-wheel, and then... Uh, since I got back, I'd just been focusing on my four wheel drive racing that and, uh, you know, doing more testing on that and prepping for Reedy Race. Since I was only entered for four wheel drive, I just kind of focused on that. So I hadn't mm-hmm. really been keeping up on when that three gear transmission came in uh, and stocking up on that. But I I would think we got some in. I mean, it should be available. Not on A-Main. I think. I mean, I to A main. I guess I could look into
1: it. <laughs> I've been waiting yeah. on A main for a while now, and I got them on back order too, and I get the emails right away. I'm a platinum member on Amy. Um, <laughs> and it was all spent on associated stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you know what it takes to get there, but <laughs> a lot. A lot of, I know. Oh yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, two more questions for you. Uh, again, I just kind of, sure. if you can, uh, I, again, this is a question on the B five uh, and the B five M, the gull wings versus the flat arms, the the front a arms. You see a lot of guys taking the the gall wing arms off the B five M and putting the flat arms on it, uh, and changing the shock tower. Do you see advantages? Uh, are you talk, are, are you talking about uh,
3: flipping both and not just one or the other, right?
1: Yeah, like you'd have to change both arms. Yeah, like you take the you you have a B five M, let's say, right, and and it ships with the gall wings on the front. And what I've noticed is a lot of guys are taking the the gall wings and the shock tower off, and okay. then putting the shock tower and the, the flat arms. Yeah from the rear motor on yeah, the B5M. Yeah. Can you kind of explain yeah, why, why and why would you want to do that?
3: Yeah, and that's always been intended, actually, as a... Uh, um, a tuning option? A, a tuning option. We, we never didn't have the, the kit come with both because obviously that just raises the, the kit cost and whatnot. But that's intended to be a tuning option. And usually um, the flat arm in the, the tower that goes with that, uh, helps to numb out the uh the the car's steering, especially at like high speed, entering a sweeper where it maybe doesn't steer as aggressively as a, a goal wing front arm and uh and it uh, in a bumpier type of track as well will help maybe make the car feel just a little flatter, uh up front where it, it doesn't feel like it hooks as much, I guess, if you will. Um, like I know Ryan, when he went up to, uh, Portland, Oregon, this is the same track I raced at, um, over the holidays, uh, he ended up running the pole wing arms there, uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, because he wanted to have a little bit more steering on that carpet. Um, me, I was still happy with my, flat arms I had been running on on my two-wheel um, mm-hmm. up there um, but I think it's kind of a, a personal preference thing um, and it's a, it's a smaller adjustment but having the, the flat arms versus goaling usually the goaling just helps give the car the feeling of a little bit more mid to exit steering where it kind of hooks or rolls onto the front a little bit more is what it feels like versus the, the flat arms will um, feel more rigid if you will up front. Mm-hmm. And maybe lets you get more aggressive with the car steering input-wise at, like, the end of a straightaway where it doesn't feel like it just hooks and maybe flips as easy. And just, I don't know how to really put it into words. but
1: Yeah. Well, like, uh, me and Matt both have the B5M, and we're both running the gull wings. And we're both mm-hmm. kind of chasing this front-end grip thing where it's like you come around, like you said, the hairpin corners, very sharp corners, and the rear end of the thing wants to come around. And, I mean, we yeah. have been trying everything... Like, from top to bottom. And the last thing we're going to try, yeah. I think, is getting rid of those gall wings. Over rotation is what I'm thinking
0: it is. like, I, I, Well, too much steering, too, ca- will do the, it. The car feels great. But then as soon as I go to turn, it's like it wants to blow donuts. And it just shakes my head because, you know, I even reached out to Ryan and asked him, listen, Ryan, this is what I race on. What would you start yours off with? So he gave me a baseline of, you know, shock package to go with. I switched it. It felt really good, at, uh, you know, two weeks ago and then we get to ours again, which our track is a little bigger than the other one, so there's a little more speed and colder. in it. <coughs> And colder, but <laughs> I just I felt like I was right back at square one, and finally I said there was two options. Either I'm going to switch it to rear, rear motor or I'm going to try the flat arms. I think I'm going to try the flat arms first on mm-hmm. it, and if it still does it to me, you know, I had a Kyosho what RB5 kind? beforehand. I'm going back to rear
3: motor. <laughs> what, what, was, what kind of tires are you running?
0: J uh, Concepts uh, barcodes, I think they are
3: on on the carpet yeah 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 and we've and what, kind, what with, kind of carpet is it? Is it the um, ozite oh, yeah that. multi-surface kind of generic carpet or? no
0: no it's actually like the the uh what
1: is it the crc or whatever CRC, it is Yes, yeah. it's, it's like rc carpet
0: oh, okay if want yeah
3: like the, that. The, the and you, you guys you guys sauce at all for that yeah, yeah. Oh, we've tried carpet?
1: everything with tire sauce Lots of sauce, uh, no sauce. I guess.
3: I guess since you're running on that stuff, I'll I'll send you my setup. I just uh, I actually finished it up and sent it out to a few other people today that have been asking me from when I went up to to Portland and ran on pretty much a similar type of carpet than what you guys are running on. That'd be sweet. Um, or it's a nice Ozite uh, carpet, and they only use SXT 3.0 tire sauce. That's what we and use. From, yeah. For me, it's like my car was always super hooked up until I'd maybe traction roll.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah, we don't have the but traction roll problem.
1: That. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think we even have YouTube video of kind of what happens, and you'll pu- It sounds like getting going to the flat arms is is the solution, especially from this conversation. And I'm really glad that uh-huh. we got to have it because it was a quite. It, it just really kind of puts yeah. things into perspective. Okay, what we're thinking is right, and we should have went with that gut feeling, you know, three races ago. But we've been trying to keep it as you know. Okay, it came with the gall wings. Let's leave it with the gall wings. Let's try to run uh-huh. it how it was intended. And then hearing you say, well, no, we actually intended that to be a tuning option. is kind of like, oh, man, we should have just went with our gut, put the flat arms on it, and mm-hmm. tried it. Um,
3: but I, I, would, I would say that in this case, I, th- I think that both should be able to work all right for you guys. Just because I know, like I was saying, Ryan went and ran on that same track that I'm, uh, my setup is off of. Mm-hmm. And he ran goaling. I ran straight arm. He obviously won his race. And you said his car was really good. And when I went up there, I thought my car felt really good. Um, But for the most part, I just copied. I mean, we both had very similar uh, suspension uh, setups where we had pretty much the same shock packages and uh, camber link setups, which, uh, like in the front, uh, having no shims under the the inner ball stud um, helps out a lot because that essentially helps make the front end feel stiffer and keep the car off the nose. Um, See, we tried that, that, and we didn't what, like that, it. That's, that's what does do a lot of that when the car pitches onto the front too mm-hmm. much or too fast, and then you kind of get the rear end light, and then you get that snap kind of oversteer at the mid exit of a corner.
1: That's exactly where my problem is. Mm-hmm. Is the is coming? Yeah. you hit the apex, and you're trying to get out of the turn, and the thing just wants to whip it right around itself. And uh, yeah, like I, mean, I said, we, we,
3: especially we, if it also is tripoding and pulling the wheel up, and then kind of doing a little pirouette, mm-hmm. then that's. You know, definitely diving on the front too much.
1: Well see, we took Um, the shims
3: out. Thicker oil too and other little things, but yeah.
1: Like I said, we were we took the shims out and it was right in the middle of we were we ran heat number one, we were like, Man, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Took the shims out, tried running heat number two and we were like, Oh my god, that was awful. But we really (laughs) didn't have any time to put down some laps without them to get the feel of the new feel. So we kinda just went Mm -hmm. back, we put the shims back in and kept going. Uh, but yeah, if ah. you can send us that setup yeah. sooner than later, because yeah, I'm making sure. an order because <laughs> well, we're probably gonna need new springs or but, I'm
0: gonna need them. Well, I have I have springs. Like I've tried a few different things. It, what just like I said, what frustrates me so much at Casey's, um, Casey runs the same kind of carpet we have. His carpet's a little older than ours, but it's the same brand. It's it's real like Ozite carpet for off road. Like just port. has a little more duct tape on it. Yeah, <laughs> but but at his track, this is my issue. At his track, I lack. Uh, out of corner speed, like I have to let up a little bit to make sure it continues to rotate. But I have the complete opposite problem here at home,
1: and I change nothing. <laughs> well, the twenty-five degree temperature difference might <laughs> <won't> do that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah,
3: I mean, I I always say a lot of times, you know, setup or seventy-five percent of your setup is usually just in tires. Yeah. And uh, I've I've had that issue when I went up north, and because I got to a uh, chance to finally run on some carpet tracks up there. And uh, another track I went to up there that was mul- more multi-surface where they had some folder ozite down, and then they also had um, some of the thicker pile carpet they use on some of the jumps and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there, the, the traction wasn't as good, and they used, like, the Schumacher mini pins and uh, the Schumacher low-profile fronts, and I thought that was terrible for me there. I ended up going to full-tread <laughs> barcodes there. Yeah. But if I try to run the same slicks that I ran at um, the other track that was all nice Ozite um, I, I would be just doing donuts at that track because mm-hmm. the, the, the multi-surface and the the, and the track itself just wasn't as good as the, the better prepped Ozite track where they yeah. only ran that one sauce and so it's like you could just run the flicks
2: Oh, I know ours is like that. Boston, it was
3: amazing. Hard mm-hmm.
1: track's um, like that. If you run, you can run the baldest of bald tires with some sauce, put some, sauce, some SXT oh, on yeah, it, and that is the best money. combination. Well, look look at my 443. In the first t to four-wheel
0: drive buggy, <laughs> I put those uh, AKA vectors on the front because I thought my front ones were shot being bald as they were. I plowed like crazy, and obviously because I just threw them on, hadn't broken them in at all. Like normally I like to run, you know, a couple dozen laps on front tires beforehand, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I hadn't done that, so of course I went. Okay, wait, let's go back to tried and true. I went back; all my steering was there again, and they're practically bald. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> there's nothing left of them.
1: So you mentioned track services uh, just in a minute ago. What's your take on this whole astroturf thing at the worlds? Is that going to really kind of mess with what you got? You know what you're doing? There's going to be a lot of changes. Do you feel? Uh, talk about that a little bit.
3: Uh. <laughs> I know Cody and I both kind of feel the same way about this, where we both kind of think it's dumb, and and it's not not to say that having those kind of tracks is 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 dumb by any means. like uh, uh I understand the necessity of it for a hobby shop kind of standpoint where um, from like I was saying, I went back home to visit my parents in Oregon and you know running on some of my local tracks there. You know, they have a carpet track there that's really nice where they have all their jumps and then they can take them all off and then do oval or they can do touring car. And then throughout the week, they always change what they're racing. You know, a couple of days, they do one thing and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And I think from a hobby shop standpoint, that's absolutely awesome because now you can cater to more people um, and, you uh, you know, obviously changing the track layouts been super easy because on a dirt track it's a lot of you know labor to change a layout so uh, it's pretty nice when you can just you know move the jumps around and have a new layout and it keeps things fresh so I I, I completely think that that's uh, an awesome setup for a, um, a hobby shop but for like the world I think um, I think that that's not not probably the best choice of dirt, especially since it's at Ytade Arena. And I, from what I originally heard, that the reason why they put the AstroTurf down was to protect or preserve the dirt for the world. And now it's staying there. That <laughs> seems kind of silly because um, they have awesome dirt underneath it that they could use uh, for the world, but now they, they have AstroTurf on top of it. And I think it just really hurts the image of it from an outsider's perspective. Like, if I went to go, you know, show someone that knows nothing about RC cars and said, you know, hey, check this out. This is the premier off-road race in RC. <laughs> yeah, it's on car And they saw a video of it, and it's on blue AstroTurf. They're going to say, what the heck is this that you're showing? This is an off-road. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, yeah. so then you have to then try and explain to someone, oh, well, you see, it's off-road, but that just means it has jumps, and that, that doesn't actually mean that it's, you know, actually dirt, and then it, it just becomes a a whole thing where even the sugar tracks as much as I dislike those as well. Um, at least when you watch like a video of those, you can't tell that it's sugar. It just looks like dirt. It's brown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe if they got brown AstroTurf, you could get away with it. <laughs> but I think it's just from the perspective of when you watch it, you know, and show people that it just looks silly. Um, but, uh,
2: yeah, it's not off road racing. You know,
3: the UK guys—they don't have anything else to race on and stuff like that. But I mean, there's other races too. There's the e- EOS races where they race at and they're you know carpet or whatever. But this is like the pedigree race. It's always been on dirt. Yeah. You know, so why why change it? <laughs> well,
0: and I have seen pictures of where it's going to be before they had the the Astro down, and it's like, oh my god, like it was just gorgeous and just yeah, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm not offended by them moving it to carpet because I'm so or an astroturf because I'm that's what I race on a lot. So to me, it's not such a drastic, ridiculous. But I, I see the other side of it where it's like, wait a minute, for however many years the worlds have been, no matter where they've been, it's been on some kind of a, like dirt. dirt. Yeah. You know, like well,
1: the, yeah. it, I mean, what you got to say is, is, hey, come check out this off-road racing that isn't on dirt.
3: And you, yeah, you know, exactly. it's just kind of like
1: a, 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 it's ironic, right? <laughs>
3: It it just defeats the legacy of that race where it's it's off-road and it's it's supposed to be the premier race for RC and you then make it look like it's not on dirt or Mm off-road, which is what people, you know, obviously usually think of off-road racing is dirt. Like, you know, you go, uh, like if someone said, like, oh, check out the new Supercross, you know, race and then, uh, if it was on like AstroTurf people would be like, Are you kidding me? This is a joke? Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, and I why have hope- a dirt bike on carpet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I hope silly. this doesn't become the trend, right? Like, okay, they're doing it this year, okay, fine, so be it. Everybody will suck it up. But you know, next year?
3: Yeah. And, it- and that opens another can of worms too, which uh is also the, the business side of things where it's like, well so now you have companies like Yokomo that have, you know, this this perfect little test facility that conveniently is where the world is mm-hmm. at that you, know, you can develop a car for that kind of artificially high grip um, that's you know, catered to that type of track. And so does that mean now that we need to have a you know, rear motor, mid motor, front motor, or carpet type car too? <laughs> you know, and so that ends up killing that end of the hobby too, where it's like, do the manufacturers now need, in order to be competitive, need to make that kind of car Does that mean that the consumer now has to buy a third car to be competitive Mm -hmm. or does the hobby shop now need to carry another car just for, you know, and it just seems a bit, a bit silly. It's like, ideally it'd be awesome if you could just run one two-wheel drive buggy and run it everywhere on every kind of track, but it's becoming more of like a, a touring car type of class where it's, the car has to be so precise because the grip is so good that you have to make the car as best as possible because you can't. Rely on just the driver being way better than everyone else yeah. because in touring car you can have you know three identical drivers in terms of talent, but if one of them has a car that's way better, they're going to smoke them because you can't just make up for it in talent. Or even if you had one driver that was better and the other guy was not as good talent wise, has a better car on on a touring car, that's all you got to beat them because the since you have so much grip available, the car makes a bigger difference now. Yeah. So oh. I just I don't like that aspect either. Where it's like if if that ends up being the case where it hurts the hobby, then I'm not for it because that's that's not going to be good for the hobby if you have to start making additional cars to to suit that one type of racing surface. But
1: well, even for then you, then again though. we have
3: for you again we have oh, tons sorry. of classes now too. We have you know two wheel drive short course, four wheel drive short course. You have rally, Bob, I mean I have the the pro buggy or the S, like the short course buggy, and you, like, you have all these potential classes, too, so mm-hmm. I guess adding another buggy class wouldn't <laughs> kill things, but it's just one of those things I hate to see people think, like, oh, with Schumacher, you have to have a, a front motor buggy, a mid-motor buggy, and I guess, you know, really a motor buggy, but, um, yeah. Is it something uh, that you I'm think... Not a, I'm not a fan of it, but um, we're going to have to just do our best to do what we need to do to try and be competitive which is unfortunate to have to do something different just for the sake of this one race
0: i'm just i'm honestly shocked at how many people we've spoken to that are just kind of taking a doo-doo on it and to think that the sanctioning body is just took it as such a
1: well it's like they've said yes let's do this and and, and didn't think about it
3: yeah yeah from my understanding it was mainly just roar north america that said yeah we don't want to do this and then everyone else is on board which i mean i understand if that's what you normally run on is multi-surface or astro and carpet because that's all you have really available and yeah i mean of course you're going to want to be maybe more in favor of it um i just don't think this is probably the appropriate race for that it's like i think if that's going to be a thing then maybe you make a an astro trip worlds or a multi-surface world or something like that. Yeah. They make it um, its own way that you have touring car on foam tire and, and, or uh, asphalt and carpet rather that, uh, I mean, you just kind of separate it then rather than kind of changing what's been, uh, a heritage type of race. Yeah. Or
2: legacy. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. No, that that does make perfect sense. I just, I got a couple more quick ones for you, Tim, and I'm going to try and make sure. them quick. My big question is, okay, so uh, Associated uh, just recently released a new 4x4 short course truck. What What's the big... Oh, the, the Pro, I think? Yeah. So yeah. W- what's the difference between it and the Pro-Lite? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I've got a Pro-Lite sitting beside me here on the floor.
1: We're going to burn it this summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I
0: trying, don't like it. I was trying to be nice, <laughs> but I don't see the difference. I don't. Um,
3: I, I don't. They. Well, look I guess like, I wasn't involved in that project really, but right. from my understanding, it was uh, in an effort to try and help fix some issues. I guess or like I think that car they had EVA bones that would break or shock. Mm-hmm. The power or the body post? The body post. Everything
1: would break. What are you talking about?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Hitting chairs doesn't count. (laughs) It was in, uh, as far as I understood, an effort to kind of separate the name from the pro light and kind of start with something fresh, the pro SD, and uh, address any of the issues that it had before. I think like the body mount and I think the CVA bones and stuff like that. Yeah, there was well as then kind of refreshing it with the, the bigger socks and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it had the smaller shell And then having a better
3: styled body, because the other body I always thought looked terrible. <laughs> and so it was nice to see a more conventional-looking short-course truck body on it.
1: Well, I, and I think the other thing is is the pro Light was brought out as an entry-level 4x4 short-course truck. And right, I'm right. going to take this away from Matt. He's looking at the piece of paper. Like, what happened to the SC10 4x4? Like, it just... It's, it's discontinued it's now. So, so where's yeah, the, the race... SC10 4, the, well, sorry, I was going to just yeah. finish that with, you know, like, where's the factory team edition of a 4x4 short course truck? Yeah, at, you know? like a
0: race pedigree one. Like, there's no qualms about it. When I bring out my 4x4 short course truck at any of the races I go to, oh, man. you know, yeah, it's lighter than the Technos. It's lighter than the Low seas. But on carpet, it does awesome. But I'll tell you what, everybody that looks at it goes, man, that thing runs great. And that's, I love it, and I'm never going to just jump ship away from it, but I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe in the next year or so associated it's going to come out with this new version of an SC10 4x4, then I'm going to go, well, I think that's going to perform way better than what I have now.
3: Yeah, as far as I know, I think that's still something that's that's in the, the pipeline. Um, I think it's one of those classes that we're still uncertain if it's going to really change. Because, I mean, full drive 4 courses kind of died off quite a bit within the last couple of years, I would yeah. say. I'm not sure about your part, but around here for sure, and I know in other, you know, fairly competitive areas like Arizona or whatever, it's it's definitely died off a bit. It's not not as big as it used to be. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, is it going to die off or what? But I know that at other, our, our uh, SC10 4x4, uh, I mean, like, we already have tons of classes that are top drivers in to race, and, you know, that's the one class, like, if we're honest, it's like it's not our strongest class. I mean, if we're going to Put in our effort for our, our top drivers to race, you know, four classes or even five, which is a lot, yeah. To go to a race, then we're gonna, you know, obviously have them drive all the cars if they have a better shot of winning, respectively, to the other cars. You know, we know our full wheel is just as competitive, and not you know, better than the other full wheel The two wheel, we know we, you know, is winning the full wheel drive. It's, you know, it's more work for our guys if I, you know, go as fast as the, the techno one or whatever. Um, but in terms of making the new car, I mean, I, I think that's in the pipeline. I think, unfortunately, uh, we're one of the few companies that put in such a situation where everyone expects us to make a new car for everything. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that, you know, people don't go to TLR and say, where's their Turing car? How come they don't have a Turing car or 12 scale? Or you know they'll you know no one goes to Mugen and says like where's your guys' ten scale you know electric cars or whatever or even Hot Bodies I mean they don't have you know a two wheel drive buggy yet or something like a, a two wheel drive short course and like that but we're one of the few that just happens to uh, have, establish yeah. the precedence of making everything mm-hmm. aside from maybe a nitro touring car still but now we're kind of expected to keep making everything. Like I think I remember you saying like you know where's the the, the truggy or whatever. And
1: eight scale is um, you know, something we want to ask you it, about. It's too. coming.
3: That's definitely one of those things that we're we're still gonna make because eight scale is you know really popular. Um, but I feel like I never hear that in regards to other companies like you know Kyosho. <laughs> like where's Kyosho's 12th scale or something like that or where? Yeah.
2: Um,
3: you know, like we just happen to be kind of held up to a different standard Yeah, and yeah why don't we make all everything? <laughs> no, and then, <laughs> and it's and then hard that's... And you only have so many people and so much time to try and delegate what projects to do. But I think a full drive short course, once we get through at least all the the uh, significant projects, we'll probably get back around to that. It's just yeah. one of the classes I think we're still evaluating whether or not, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to stick around or, or right. what's happening? Because it seems a little uncertain at this moment what's yeah. happening with that that class
0: and and i had to ask just because you know low c has come out with their their sct 2.0 and i've seen a few photos floating around line that online that they're working on a 3.0 um you know what i mean so like they're obviously trying Mm -hmm. to to keep their four wheel drive short course line moving And, and like i said don't get me wrong for for what i'm doing with my sc10 4x4 uh indoor carpet the thing is light You know what I mean? If Mm -hmm. I put, like, I'm running an older Tekin two-pole SC4X uh, with the the larger, the 13-mil rotor in it, so it's got a little bit more torque. But, like, you know, Mike's running the identical one to mine, except he's got the Exotech chassis, and he's running one of their four-pole Tekin motors with an RX-8. And, like, these things are just silly how fast they are. You know Mm. what I mean? So, like, they're super light. So when you think about how fast a Techno goes, that weighs almost
3: double the weight. <laughs> you know, I haven't really considered that car on carpet. so I oh, guess that's, it's that's interesting here. I
2: well,
0: tell you,
1: it's a machine.
0: I've got mine slammed right down to the ground, <laughs> and it just it motors like I <laughs> love driving it. So can you? That's
3: awesome. <laughs> I, I know
1: we've been talking here for almost two hours, which is crazy. But
3: <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> um,
1: it, like in the eight scale world, I mean, I know I've seen some stuff on a new 8.3, 8.2 8.3 buggy, yeah, whatever you want to call it. You know the uh-huh. truggy version. Basically, you got to take a night. You got to take the eight, eight. You buy the nitro, and then you buy the the electric conversion, conversion. <laughs> kit to get an electric truggy in the associated world. Uh, I have right. an eight point two E, and I have the eight point. Uh, the RC-8T converted to the E, but like those are pretty mm-hmm. old platforms for the most part. I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in saying that.
3: Is yeah. there something? I mean, they are.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's just. You know, I know Matt's in, in dabbling in the world of. I want to buy Nitro. He, I'm not so much interested in the Nitro era area of things. But is there in the works? Can you tell us what's going on? Can you kind of give us a feeling? Because I want to associate I, any kind I, of timeline. I can
3: say at least. You know, I can say at least that our our steel program is uh, going really well right now. I mean, like um, that's definitely a, a full steam ahead kind of venture where just like with the 10 scale stuff we're trying to revamp and um, we're doing the same thing with with the eight scale because obviously we got set back with the whole Josh Alton debacle where it's, we you know we essentially had someone working on an eight scale for you know more than a year or so and then pretty much have to start from scratch again <laughs> mm-hmm. um is is extremely frustrating in terms of then trying to reschedule around, you know, yeah. the, the workload. And, uh, to put it into perspective too, it's essentially just like me, Cody and Bob, um, who's, also, who's like maybe our senior design engineer and, uh, and on-road specialist, um, that are doing all of the cars now. So, uh, you have three, three people, uh, working, you know, Full speed to try and help revamp, you know, all the cars that we do have. Um, but eight scale is, is definitely on the chopping block. Um, I think you could probably expect to see it uh, this year. I'm not sure what all of the, the eight scale kind of lineup will be done this year, but I would I would expect to have some of that stuff um, this year. Um, but uh, I have no idea really when. Well, just
1: just from a customer um, point of view, it, it felt like we were kind of like, did they forget the, about the, it? Yeah. You know, what what's going on with this 8-scale stuff? And see, and I, I'm so glad to hear you well, say that it's being worked on. Because and, and part of it was I didn't yeah, realize the whole Yeah, one of the, the whole, things
3: that, that unfortunately just got kind of, you know, I wouldn't say postponed. It was just, it, or I guess back would be a better term, where yeah. it's like you have mm-hmm. someone that was supposed to be working on it, and then you see the direction they're going in isn't right, isn't working, and then it has to be kind of overhauled or redone. Yeah. And, wow. um, that and but I can say that the the new stuff right now is is, uh, is going to be really awesome uh, in terms of like the the handling racing aspect. I mean, all of it will be uh, really really good, um, and I'm really excited to see now that we have also a couple more uh, top level. Uh, eight scale drivers like Carson Warnemont, yeah. uh, Kyle McBride, and even like uh, Spencer Ripken, yeah. um to join uh, Ryan Cavalieri and be you know a really strong mm-hmm. um, eight scale team um, because before it was kind of just like a Ryan and Ryan show that we really had yeah. and maybe Neil overseas but now we have you know quite the the the, the team stable. of eight scale guys and we're gonna have a, a an eight scale car obviously it's gonna be plenty competitive as. As you guys saw at Worlds, I mean, you got, um, we got, we did really good with our car. So um, you can expect, I guess, that same performance with the, the new production car. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So
3: we've been definitely putting in the extra hours and testing and time to really get this car right because we didn't want to have another, you know, setback again. <sighs> like, oh, this isn't quite right or something like that. We've really put in a lot of time into that, uh, the new eight scale platform, and um, it'll be really good
2: yeah,
0: you you don't want to get another letter from uh, from staffs of What is it office supply saying, quit destroying your garbage cans, Tim. We we can't
1: afford to keep replacing these things every time you kick one. you don't want Jason Snyder getting on uh, on YouTube either. (laughs) Got to make sure you keep that guy happy. Make sure that you personally inspect the box you send to him, eh? Well,
0: see, see, here's the thing, and and I don't know if, like, you know, I know Tim obviously checked out the podcast because without me saying something, he said, don't worry, I have an answer Mm -hmm. for your plastic nut situation, but, you know, I'm... like I've been in the RC hobby for a while, but I'm just really la- in the last like six months started really paying attention to what's going on in the world of RC as far as all the manufacturing. That's a, So I was unaware of the whole setback with having to let somebody go and, and having to start that program all mm-hmm. over again. And maybe if I would have known that a little bit more, I wouldn't have been so critical to say, you know, what oh, is
1: yeah. going on, right? Well, it's answers to the questions, yeah. right? Like, yeah. It answers that why has it been three yeah. or four years or however long it's been. Well, yeah. Big, you know that's why. It definitely
3: why. ruffled our feathers and and you know creates you know a, a bit of project planning issues when all mm-hmm. of a sudden now you're down one more engineer and you need to pretty much redo that one project again that should have already been out and so it kind of screws up a lot of the project planning and and stuff. So um, it's like right now we're kind of just treading water and kind of you know staying afloat and we'll. Get all that stuff back out and getting caught up, um, but I think once we do get all the the new stuff out, people will be uh, really really happy.
1: Do you know if there's a plan to bring another guy in to to take some of the workload, or are you guys just going to try to keep going the uh, way it is? We've
3: actually we've actually been working really well with uh, even with one person down. Now um, I think it's just now that you know we, we're not having to juggle and kind of compensate for one project, you know all of a sudden having to be restarted,
2: Mm -hmm. Um, but
3: now, like, you know, the project books are all, you know, squared away, but uh, we've actually been doing uh, really good. I mean, everyone here is, you know, super motivated and, you know, puts in the the extra time to try and get things done on time, so, um, yeah, I think we've been doing pretty good, and I mean, I'm not sure if we'll have another person, but... yeah, I think we're,
1: we're pretty good. Yeah. Oh, no, that's good. And, I mean, I'm uh, on behalf of Matt and, and myself, I mean, if there's anything coming out that you can talk about, you know, you want to just get on with us yeah. for 10 minutes even, you know, just say, hey, guys, there's going to be a RC8, you know, 9 or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, we would love to be the first, you know, I know there's obviously other people that are much more important than us. But, you know, we mm-hmm. definitely want to be kept in that loop because we do care. Well, me and Matt care. You know, sure. anybody that's a, that's close to a show associated and kind of right. gone to the brand loyalty.
3: Yeah, that's, yeah, we have our Nitro forklift coming out. Uh,
1: Nitro forklift? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, how do I get me one yeah. of these? That okay. sounds awesome. This will be entertaining out <laughs> in the garage in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, let's see how much we can live with this. Um another question that we like to ask and I guess I'll ask because it always seems like it's me outside of the associated world and the RC world. What are some of the things you enjoy, you know, other hobbies, uh, you know, things at home, outside of work. What does Tim do?
3: <laughs> um, I guess really my biggest passion has always been motorsport not really motorsports, I guess just cars working on them. Um, driving, uh, autocross, and track day kind of things. Um, I've just always been kind of like a a gearhead and really like, you know, wrenching and the kind of racing aspect of of the full-scale cars. Um, And uh, mountain biking, uh, and, uh, I mean, I guess other than that, I don't really have a lot of other time. I mean, I I still airbrush a little bit uh, body-wise or RC stuff, um like i airbrushed the t5n b5 and b5n bodies as well as um the b44.2 box art the world's car
2: oh wow uh, Holy a few Zubo. other like
3: box art that, that i've done um and i airbrush all my own stuff but i don't really airbrush for anyone else anymore because <laughs> time is more precious now
0: yeah yeah uh,
3: totally makes sense yeah. When I used to work at a hobby shop, I would maybe airbrush, you know, seven bodies a weekend or something like that. But,
0: uh,
3: but now I'm just too uh, too swamped. It seems like, you, like I'm still here in Area 51 right now, um, but you uh, usually just, you know, putting in the extra hours and then maybe on the weekend wrenching on the car or going for a bike ride or... Just relaxing a little bit. Are you, going I, on a beach?
1: Are you a single dude, or you got a, a wife Oh or no, I, I I
3: have I have a uh, a girlfriend, um, so that's the other uh, <laughs> portion of my time. <laughs> is, you know you know you know it's, you know, it's a hard sure balance. She's happy, and I'm not just leaving her. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah.
0: I was just going to say, I've been uh, going on uh, this coming August will be ten years of marriage for me, and I'll tell you oh, one wow. thing: happy yeah. wife. Happy life.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for <laughs> well, it's something that we challenge, though. Right?
1: And I think we all feel it, you know, as, you know, with girlfriend Got to a girlfriend gotta balance everything, or Family, a wife. I mean, job. they look at these RC cars, and they're like, what the heck are these toys that you play with? Yeah. Why do you spend so much time? And, you know, you're trying to explain to them that yeah. it's not a toy. It's it's actually kind of dangerous if you just hand it to careful. anybody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those situations, yeah, sure. you know. So it's just interesting and I mean you don't got to tell us any more than that. But yeah, for sure.
3: No, I mean I, I think uh, the the art, I mean like RC still actually takes up probably quite a bit of my spare time too. I mean going club racing or going to the track and testing and stuff um, or wrenching and stuff. I mean this the the job it like doesn't just end when you walk out the door. It's like you're you're pretty well involved with it all the time at least to to be good at this job and you have to, you know, stay in the loop on what the RC news is, what your competitors are kind of doing, what's going on, um, and as well as, you know, being up to date with what people are doing at the track, you know, going to the track, racing, so, uh, excuse me, so I think um, that also takes up a, a bit of time, but the other free time, you know, that you can maybe, or I can maybe muster you try and do something a little yeah. different but yeah. it seems yeah. like there's never
1: really enough spare time <laughs> no no that's mm-hmm. how we always yeah. say that there's just there's never enough time to do all the things you want Yeah. Uh, another question yeah. for you uh just kind of oh my god it evaporated poof gone yeah i was gonna ask him it was poof. a good one too <laughs> oh.
0: well you think about that while i kind of finish this out you know tim i do want to say thank you very much you know i know this this interview is kind of a long thing in the making and you know i reached out to you a while ago and everything like that so i do appreciate <laughs> yeah. it um you know it kind of exploded for for us as far as being able to book people to to come on the the podcast and it's kind of like man we're booked like 3 months out guys like i don't know how this happened but awesome. holy geez you know so it, it it's exciting and of course you know like i said for me i'm so attached to associated it's ridiculous um, i really enjoy the products that i've had uh, from the first one i've had so uh, I think it's going to be something I'm going to continue. And I think Mike remembered it, so I'm going to let him get it in before I finish with all I was going to say. It's
1: actually not the same question. It's another question that I like to ask. <laughs> and it's the, you know, what what's your one word of, what not one word, but oh, okay, what's yeah. your number one kind of advice to all the RC people out there? You know, your your go-to idea or what to do, you know, just kind of deal.
3: Like, for, like, a racing setup?
1: Or? G- completely in general. Like, you know, like, we've been told, you know, that, uh, for example, Ty Testament said to us, you know, if, if his number, piece of advice, his one p- piece of advice that he would give to anybody is pick one car, concentrate on that car until you become almost perfect with it because nobody's going to be perfect, you know, and we kind of, mm-hmm. I've been asking that to everybody. So what's kind of, like, your number one piece of advice to anybody in the RC car community, we'll say?
3: Um, I guess if you're racing, it's to make sure you have the right tires. So like if you don't have the right tires, and you're, you know, doing donuts or pushing or whatever, and you're trying to change your whole suspension setup, you know, a lot of times, just having the right tires is all you really need, and you're, you know, 80 percent of the way there um without that i mean you're going to be doing a lot of work trying to make the car go around halfway reasonably but the tires are what you know touch or like in, are in contact with the ground that's what changes the car's direction that's what accelerates it forward and stops it so if those aren't right you know no matter what you do it's it's not going to be you'll be chasing as good the setup handy. Right? yeah you're going to be chasing the setup trying to compensate for not having the right tires or you're not going to have maybe as much grip as you ultimately could have. And that, you know, it's going to affect how, how fast you could go. So having the right tires is definitely the, the most important setup advice I can, I can give. And then in terms of by a track, like in terms of, uh, driving or anything like that, it's just practice. Like the more practice you can, uh, get in the better, uh, with your race equipment, you know, you practice with what you're going to race and, uh, the more practice you can kind of get in, and you know, learn to downside jumps, learn to uh, you know hit your apexes what you want, and repeat it over and over, and just develop that consistency to where you can push your car to the limit in practice everywhere, and kind of know what your car does at the limit because you're so comfortable with it because you practice practice with it so much. Like you're saying, Ty said to be super familiar with you know just one car, if mm-hmm. you can be really familiar with you know what the car does because you practice with it so much then you're going to be so much better than you know constantly trying to buy new parts and all that other kind of stuff but there's no substitution for just having wheel time um, assuming that your car is at least reasonable
1: yeah. <laughs> well, and, we, and we and matt yeah, it, it, are, are very sorry to cut you off there we're very involved mm-hmm. with our local club where we race we race once a month you know and we see people, like, literally come in with a different car every time yeah. for, like, the, mm-hmm. like the, a different short course truck every time. And I'm just kind of saying to myself, like, how do you... Or they add another class and it's, it's Yeah, like... you know, or they got four or five classes that they're trying to race. Because we run basically everything in one day because we only get to race them once yeah. a month. You know, and you just, you, you, you like, you don't want to go up to them and be like, listen, dude... Just race one, concentrate yeah. on it, wrench on it all Pick day. Pick one you really like. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and then start, sort of work your way up into it. Cause I know that's how I did it. I yeah. slowly added. Mm-hmm. Now I'm by far from good. I'll be the first person to tell you <laughs> that. I'm still doing cartwheels. I still do these amazing barrel rolls that people, mouths drop and hit the floor. Like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I have no idea, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I'm getting better. And I feel at every race, yeah. you know, and, and right. listening to you saying, you know, get as much practice as you can. It kills me, yeah. Because we get to race twice a month, you know, and it's just like man. Yeah,
3: that that makes it. That definitely makes it tough. But I mean, I think even then, it's like I guess you can't really practice on your, your, uh, your actual race surface or the carpet. But I remember when I first got into it uh, when I was like ten, and luckily my parents happened to have we had seven acres, and so I just started making a an RC track, and then just starting to go out there and practice, and I just burned laps there, you know, and just get good at the perception thing and driving, getting good at adapting yeah. to a different surface and just, uh, adapting my timing, like, you know, learning, you know, like, all right, I'm driving on a completely different surface, but learning to adjust for how the car behaves on that surface mm-hmm. and then hitting your marks every time. Um, because I think it's really easy for people to just say, I don't know why I, I see it pretty o- so often where people either try and Wallet race and throw more money at their car, expecting to go faster, or they just jump ship. Like, oh, I I got a B five, and I'm going to get a 22. I got the 22, and that that wasn't the magic ticket and made me go faster. I'm going to get another car, and it's like if you just stuck with that one car and practiced with it, and and well, and we improved your driving, you'd be better. But people always seem to expect to be able to just see an instant improvement by maybe getting a different car or something else and go way faster, but. You just can't substitute the the driving um, and and developing that skill. You
1: well, know, and that's why I say because we we see it and because you know we we direct the races and we're very technically involved. <laughs> yeah, you know mm-hmm. we 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 see these guys and they come and ask us questions. You know we're you know there's there's kind of a small group I'd say there's about six of us. You know mm-hmm. that kind of people gravitate to one of us and they're asking these questions and you know it's just kind of like you just really want to just sit them down and be like, okay, I'm going to give you some RC counseling.
3: You want stop to, but at the same stuff. time, you don't
0: want, <laughs>
1: you know?
0: you want to say that at the same time, you don't because you don't want to be that guy yeah. that told them, right? Yeah, so, you don't want to be
3: the, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> but know, I love it's, that phrase. That's always the tough thing. It's, it's always hard to tell people, hey, you know, stop. the problem isn't the car, the problem isn't, it's just you. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, no, and, and people <laughs> and would it, take it's that hard as to an insult.
3: Accept that. It's hard to accept that. Like, you're not, you know, the Ryan Cavalieri. Like, everyone deep down inside, like, I know for me, even, like, when I first started AE, I was like... I bet I could be you know, super good now that I'm at AE and I'll have all the parts I need and everything. And it's like, oh, well, I'm still not at that level. I'm pretty good. Like I, I could go and you know, make it into any A and kind of a, a stock buggy scenario and be really, really competitive. But I can already accept it's like, unless I, you just don't have the it thing to be obviously a world champion. But yeah, some I know people a lot of people that I, I see club race all the time that, aren't inherently really, really good, but because they burn lots of laps, they get pretty fast, and they can hang with, you know, some of the, the, the top drivers for sure. Yeah. Well, and
1: I find any time we, we go somewhere and we come across, like, you know, we know our, the regular people we race with, but as soon as you kind of go somewhere and there's a guy that, he's just that guy, you know, you're like, man, that guy's fast. How's he shaving two seconds a lap off well but that pushes you right to try to go a little bit faster like you said push your truck to the edge maybe you're watching his lines and you're like oh man i should take that corner And that corner kind of like he is and then you start to pick it up and i think that really develops oh yeah the better racer right and if you if you just stick with the people that you're always with you're only going to get good enough to beat those people right absolutely
3: yeah well yeah i mean I, I, I guess I can I can agree with that for 95%, but I, I can think of one prime example that I know of. His name is Alex K., or I guess it's, cause it's something really crazy last name that's sponsored <laughs> by us, and we only call him Alex K. because we can't say his last name. <laughs> uh, but where he races, I think, out in, like, Boston or Baltimore, I don't even remember, in, on the East Coast, he doesn't have really anyone that he races against, and he was in the A-Main for both two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive at Reedy. And I mean, he doesn't really race against anyone. He's just phenomenal. Yeah. And I mean, the guy. I mean, and his car isn't like you know super immaculate, like a Ryan Cavalieri type of build car. You know, it's 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 pretty decent. But I mean, he's just a wheel. And like some of those people just have that like it thing where that like it just registers with them. Like when I start to land, I quickly blip the throttle and you know get that little extra oomph out of every little bit, or are just so smooth and consistent that. I oh, don't we, even know how they picked it all up because they just were so kid-headed.
1: We see that in the, our young drivers, you know, the, yeah. the, the 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 young teenage people that come in. You know, their their first 10 laps, you're like, oh, my God, how are they going to get through this? And then all of a sudden, it, it's like the light like, switch clicks, the, on the and, switch and, clicks yeah. and they start putting down laps that put the guys that have been doing it for five years to shame, you know, and it's 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 crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: wow. Yeah, some of those kids can definitely adapt really well and that's I think kind of what I was hitting at before where it's like
2: mm-hmm. you know learning
3: to be able to adapt is so you know critical and I think little kids maybe are just they don't know any better so they just are able to adapt and maybe as you get older you know just like learning a language you just can't do what you're not used to so you, mm-hmm. you just kind of
1: well I think adults think too way. much about it we think too much right like we we care about oh what's my buddy gonna think yeah about you're me? like
3: oh I, I I bet it's you know this Shock oil. If I changed it a little bit here, or if I you know add a <laughs> yeah, little bit kid, more preload, and it's like, and then you see that little kid with like you know a spring cup hanging off, and he's like just doing laughs some around. You. You're Whoa. like, what the hell? Like-
1: <laughs> These kids are going. To, they're going, and the parents are going to Future Shop, which is Best Buy up here in Canada. You know, they're buying a Traxxas off the shelf, literally showing up, throwing a a nim in it, Nimb not in even it. a lipo. <laughs> and you're like, where'd this kid come from? And you're just like holy man and you're like oh how long has he been driving rc's oh this is his first day and you're like oh my god come on
3: those are the stock tires and everything yeah
1: yeah you're like man if i gave him my rc the kid would put me to shame i can't let him do that yeah (laughs) you know
3: yeah (laughs) oh well Well, yes. I'm
1: out of questions, so I'm just going to stop talking. Oh, you're, it's you're, been a pleasure, Tim, getting to absolutely. talk to you. I've been anticipating this conversation for a while, for months. Honest <laughs> to God, it's been fun, <laughs> and uh, I, I hope that uh, I, your impression of us is is positive. Like Matt said, we didn't come on here to bash Associated in any way. No,
3: it was awesome, and I mean, I, and it's always nice to try and be able to answer questions in some kind of a public venue or yes. whatever, and that's you know just open whatever questions and and trying to answer them as best you can. And sometimes it's like, you know what? I don't really have a good answer for it. Or sometimes it's like, yeah, that was the problem, but you know, we're, we're doing our mm. best to fix it. But, um, like with the, the point three, I mean, we had a couple of little it, like issues with it. And I mean, before a lot of it had even, you know, blown out of proportion or whatever, we already had fixes on it. But unfortunately, I mean, the, the damage was done, if you will. Um, but I know we have like a, an update to the, the the manual that we will have coming out in the next batch where it just helps um, do maybe a better job of making it clear on the shorty versus saddle configuration assembly because I know mm-hmm. people had questions on you know which way is the is supposed to orient or they're just little things where like you know, all the feedback you kept I kept getting where we kept hearing some little questions here and there about the assembly to try and really, you know, refine that too um, (laughs) and make the kit, you know, as best we can. Um, Ideally, like in a perfect world, you get it, you know, perfect the first time and sometimes you don't. So,
1: So, Tim, I, honest to God, just did a little happy chicken dance. He had an aha moment. And Matt had to mute the microphones because I was doing the, oh my God, I remembered that question (laughs) from like a half an hour ago. (laughs) so i promise you this will be the last time i ask you a question i'll shut his microphone off
0: after it don't worry
1: do you guys creep and crawl the forums like is that kind of a an r&d kind of thing you know, find out how really the people down you know at the consumer level you know you hear that Mm. people say that the the companies are doing that is that true
3: i think internally here it it is to a certain point but i think it's only the people that Really care <laughs> if that makes any sense. It's like I think for the most part, you know, the you know average person here maybe isn't actively on RC Tech or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, just contributing, um, unless you know they happen to be on there. I know that like Sean C from our reading department. Uh, he's actively on there,
2: mm-hmm. um, you know,
3: helping out with any kind of Turing car, or even B5-related questions or Reedy-related questions. Uh, I, myself, go on there from time to time, especially after, you know, any kind of new car has come out and stuff like that, just to, you know, have an easy way of keeping track of any issues that might come up. Because, like, sometimes, you know, someone says, like, hey, this, you know, fault that, is unthreaded, threaded or so, I mean whatever kind of weird random issue that's like oh well is that you know just a random issue or is that an actual issue and then you kind of at least get um, a feedback on any issues that might have come up that you didn't see or something like that or, um, and then just overall maybe people's feedback from when it initially comes out like if people are having any issues with anything or if they are absolutely ecstatic mm-hmm. uh, it's always you know nice to see that and I think for me personally it, You know, when it's my own project, and I see, you know, it comes out, and people have questions, like it's like you have a sense of like personal pride, or it's like it's your baby, so you're like you're trying to, you know, um, help answer any questions, or obviously um, be there to help support uh, the customers. Well, and we
1: and we live in such a world now where people's minds run amok, right? Like all of a sudden, it's like, well, I'm going to use the plastic nut as an example. You know, people see a plastic nut and they're like, oh, my God, Associated's cutting back. They're falling apart. They don't know what they're doing anymore. The reality is it's just because there isn't another – there isn't a steel nut that, that size. Yeah, that we have. Yeah.
3: And, yeah. And that answer – There's other little logistic reasons and stuff like that. Or sometimes, um, like on the forums, like someone will post like one thing. Like it, it could be – whatever, some kind of little defect or something. And then all of a sudden, people might start, like, freaking out and thinking, like, oh, is this a ranted problem or whatever? And mm-hmm. so you have to kind of be there to help tame the fire and be like, no, don't worry. This is just some weird anomaly. <laughs> Everything's fine, you know, or uh, whatever it may be. And, and well, help uh, prevent things from spiraling out of control. It's, it's really easy for things to spread like wildfire. And people think, like, oh, look, there's a picture of someone that you know, broke this chassis in half. Like, all of them are going to break in half. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Inside joke, Tim. someone that, like, you know, ran into, like, a fork truck or something like that. Well, I want to use this as,
1: as the inside joke. Anybody now that has a really weird, quirky problem, you can tell them it's been dropped by the nitro forklift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd be just great. That one fell from the nitro yeah, forklift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. No, I think, th- I think that's perfect, though, yeah. right? It doesn't exist, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's just it's really not a problem. It's just, <laughs> a, you know, in, in any type of mass production, there's going to be the odd well, hiccup, right? But,
0: but we also nowadays have a society of instant gratification. Oh. People, people want <clears throat> to know the answer right away. Yep. And, and, you know, Mike kind of ribs me and pokes at me sometimes, <laughs> like, we'll get a message on the Facebook page, on the, the NBM podcast page or we'll get a uh, you know some a message or, and i have to reply to it right away and yeah okay part of it's a little bit i have ocd with stuff like that i have to to deal with notifications as soon as i see them but um i, I i'm always the kind of person that you know when i when i send out a message like i've i've Sent questions into RC driver when I first got into, to RC, and they, they never answered it. But then, you know, I go buy yeah. next month's next month's magazine. And there's my question in the magazine. It's like, okay, I know I didn't get an answer. This is even cooler than getting a reply, but I'm the kind of person where I would have even liked an email saying, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to tell you your answer, but if you buy next month's we're going to have your question in the magazine. And and that, so that I always try and make sure I don't leave anybody with that well, when are they going to answer my question? Well, you don't situation? want to leave people hanging, yes. right? And that's so, the big thing. Mm-hmm. I, I do it right away. Like literally <laughs> the day I got our, like we got a fan email a little while ago and of course I I was reeling and I'm like, oh, I got a fan email. This is kind of cool, right? So I replied to the guy right away and then I'm like, I'll, we'll even answer it and discuss it on the podcast and then I'm the biggest dumb dumb and completely forgot about
2: it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, and, you know, for us, we're literally just, I mean, honestly, well, I'll say it. I don't know if Matt feels this way or Jim, but I mean, we're just bottom of the totem pole club yeah. racers. You know, yeah. like we don't, we're nobodies, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we get to talk to guys <laughs> like you that really put things into perspective for us. And I hope that everybody that listens to this, that the three hours this is going to end up being tonight, you know, that they listen <laughs> to yeah. it because because it really is good information. I know we're getting the, you know, people are saying, oh, shorten it up, shorten it up. Well, and, I
0: might break this one into two and just kind of release
1: it's just I I really feel I like know. we're answering the questions of the majority of people out there because we're coming up with the questions because we're at the track with these yeah. guys saying oh uh-huh. what's going on with associated sales stuff and we're like yeah we want to know the same thing and we're like you know what we're gonna have Tim on in three months yeah. <laughs> you know he may not be yeah, I think it's fun-
3: I also think it's funny like when you're saying like oh what's going on with like associated like people. Somehow, I always think that, like, oh, like, you know, they're not the same company that they used to be or whatever. When
2: I mean, right now,
3: it, it, there was the issue with, you know, losing an engineer and having to kind of rearrange our resources and, and taking over that. But if, like, when people compare quality, like, oh, you know, AE back in the day, they were the, the best or whatever. And it's like, I think maybe people just over time forget how different things were back then, too, because... If you were to give someone, like, a B5M from today in, like, 1993, they would lose their mind. Like, you don't have to, like, file or ream out anything. It just goes together, and, like, the shocks are super smooth, and, like, you you wouldn't even know what to do with yourself. And, like, the manual, like, is, you know, obviously, like, you know, uh, 3D assembly and all that stuff. It's not like, you know, some, you know... I don't know, like sketches and stuff. Oh, you mean like? I mean, people would would just lose their mind. (laughs) And and, like, I think when people say, like, oh, like, AE is not as good as it used to be, it's like, I don't know about that. Because like, having to do the RC 10 Classic and Worldscar and hearing about like people that are like, oh, yeah, like, this kit went together way too good, you know, back then, like, you know, I was disappointed it wasn't harder to put together. I didn't have to file my caster blocks or everything, pivoted freely on the hinge pins. And it's like, are you kidding me? This is what people want instead? Like, this is what looks so good back No, then? no, no, no. That's okay. I
0: don't mind not having to do all that. Trust me, my wife already shakes her head at me when I come downstairs for seven hours to build one.
3: <laughs> but but I think it, it's part of the fact that it's like, you know, now that there's fewer things to kind of take apart sometimes, people think like, oh, it's like one, you know, ball stud's not threaded or this screw's missing. What's going on with AE? How did they not catch that? And it's like, well, I...
1: Yeah, the, quali- the quality problems it's, are a lot mi- more minute than what they used yeah. to be, right? But it's like people are having right. this expectation level that is so high that, like you just said, right? One ball stud, not threaded, it's the end of the world, right? Associated's
3: closing yeah, down. Yeah, and, and the- then they, and they post that online, and then everyone sees that, and then everyone thinks, like, oh, I got one, too. Everyone must have this. This is terrible, <laughs> and I think it's just because of the, the social media thing, too, that everyone can kind of so easily communicate, which mm-hmm. is, you know, maybe... Not what you had back then, or in 1993, you had, like, your carrier pigeon to go send a message to your local hobby shop to get parts or something. Like, You mean you had to you put did, a stamp on something? You, you yeah. didn't have that kind of networking. I mean, you, you didn't have that kind of access to yeah. what other issues maybe people had, I think. I don't, well, I don't look, know. Look look what we're doing Sorry, right now. Sir.
1: You know, you're sitting in where? And we're in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, mm-hmm. Canada. Different country. I know we're, we're neighbors. But, you know... 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I'm a computer guy, so I really grasped the concept of the, of email and Skype, and it's just it's so mind-blowing. You could be in Tokyo right now, and we could be having this conversation. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah, anymore. exactly. And, uh, you know, that really changes the dynamics, I think, of how I have businesses across the world are doing business. Mm-hmm. You know, deals are being made in seconds rather than months, you yeah. know? Yeah. An email can go to 15 people in 30 seconds, and you can have... 15 responses in an hour you yeah. know yeah, it's,
3: yeah. And it's yeah. Scary. everything is at lightning speed and mm-hmm. people want obviously instant gratification and it should be plug and play and it should be perfect and <laughs> our new slogan or motto that cody and i had been joking around is that every new car needs to be as light as a touring car and as tough as an eight scale there's <laughs> yeah. so like no matter what like a b5 people want it to be as light as possible but then you know they want to be able to run into an eight scale and have it not break So it's like, <laughs> all right well that's <laughs> what we got
1: to do <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, on that note, I mean, I really hope that you will get you uh, links to the podcast, Matt. Yeah, you're good with yeah. doing that. You know, if you can help promote us, get people to listen to us, I think that uh, it's beneficial. Yeah, for sure. For your, mm-hmm. for you yeah. guys, for us, mutually you know. beneficial. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
0: You know, and and. Uh, well, and like I said earlier, I'm a huge Team Associated fan, so just remember that, Tim, whenever you... <laughs> That's awesome, man. you know, you know <laughs> d- Just trust me. If you know, maybe we don't speak for the next four years, you're going to be able to call me or email me, and I will still be oh, yeah. with Team Associated, well, unless you guys close the doors and I really have no choice to go somewhere else. But,
3: well, that would be bad, because then I'd yeah. be
1: out of a job. Amy had a bunch of clearance on eight scale nitro buggies was it an x-ray i sent you yeah it was the, the thing was ridiculously priced so either they're clearing them out and a new model's coming or whatever and literally i mean the thing was what it was like 400 bucks yeah off. it was
0: it was ridiculously it was, cheap and you, i looked at it you know and, what,
1: you know what matt's answer to me was <laughs> honest to god tim matt's answer to me he goes it doesn't say associated i'm not buying it <laughs> i said okay dude i said i was just telling you there's a good deal out there man <laughs>
2: Yeah. He also, well, that's
0: that, that's like another like I have an opportunity to buy a used eight scale nitro buggy off of a friend of ours, and it's a low C, mm-hmm. um, and he's giving me a smoking deal on it. And, and really, what I said to Mike is, well, maybe if I buy it now, just to have something to run for a little bit, and then as soon as no, I no, can no, afford no. the RC8, I'll just take everything out of it you and said, go
1: to, <laughs> and go to the RC8. A step back into that is, is no. You said first we're going to talk to Tim, yeah, and then I'm going to commit maybe or maybe not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I still might end up buying it <laughs> off of him, but just for the gear because the gear in it is alone is worth what I am going to pay for the whole thing, and then I'll just sell the the, the roller. The roller? <laughs>
1: sure. I
0: uh, uh, hope you
1: are having a good laugh yeah. at us, Tim. <laughs> but uh, again, Tim, yeah.
0: thank you so much. I am going to ask you to do us one last favor that I ask everybody to do, and really, I've got them all cut up, and I really should put them all together to play as a little montage. Um, but I just, if you could do the, you know, I am uh, I am Tim. I don't want to say your last name wrong again. Uh, from Team Associated, you are listening to the M B M podcast, and I'll cut it out later and kind of use it here and there. That'd be
2: cool.
3: Then you just say I'm or this is or yeah.
0: uh well yeah, you can do whatever you want. It's like, you
3: know, I'm Tim I'm that's Tim true. and Or This is, whatever whatever rules have turned better. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh this is Tim Cunnerman from Team Associated, and you're listening to the NBM podcast.
0: Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank Perfect. you, thank you, thank you. Boom. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Again, Tim, thank you, thank you so much. And and honestly, I know I've said it four times already. I'm a huge Team Associated <laughs> fan, so Anything that you can divulge,
1: you have my email. Please, I yeah. will talk people's <laughs> ear
0: off about it. If
1: you want to talk to us about anything, you know, again, like I said, you know, product announcements, anything. Yeah. Even if you're bored, be like, you guys want me on the podcast? We'll put you on, man. Yeah.
3: <laughs> sure, it's been fun. I always like uh, chit-chatting. Like I when I did the, uh, the radio in-town one, I was like, oh, it's pretty fun. Just kind of chit-chatting on whatever RC stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, and that's kind of why I said to you earlier when I, when I was talking to you, there was a we really don't put a time limit on it. Like I get a few gripes from people about that the podcast is a little long, but I'm like, well, it's like a book, you know. Remember the time yeah. you're at like a bookmark and just go back to the time later when you have more time. You don't have to sit and listen <laughs> to it for the whole time. So,
3: yeah, for me, I don't mind because I just you know have it playing in the background maybe at work or something like that to yeah. listen to. So, well, so that's what t- I have do. you
1: listened to all our ours? Can I ask you that?
3: Uh, I have listened to I think like. Three or four, I don't remember. I know I listened to I think to like your first one. So and
1: so, so give us your brutally honest opinion on it. We can edit it out if it's bad, so don't worry. Yeah, I can cut this whole last part out uh, <laughs> completely.
3: You know, give us give no, us your point I, I think and, I think it's it's uh it it it's longer, I guess, as you're saying than maybe like a like the radio N10 one where it's maybe like more like all right, this, 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 this and done. Um, it's a little just more laid back and stuff, which is which is fine. Like for me, like when I'm listening to it, it just, it's just kind of like listening to a radio show rather than like a interview, if that makes sense. And that's you what know, I'm like, after. Like, like when you're listening to like a radio show, it just kind of sounds like you're listening to people casually talking about whatever topic rather than, you know, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. So I, I kind of like that aspect of it too. So uh, and, it's just you know different, but, but good. Well,
1: oh. and it's nice to hear it from. Well, to, yeah. to get the opinion because we never asked. Anybody no, we that. don't. You know, what's your opinion? You now you've talked to us. About, let me. What is it? Two hours, thirty minutes, and five seconds yeah. now. <laughs> you know, and it's just <laughs> you, you know, does it, it, it? It's good. Like, is it too long? Are we asking you too many questions? You know, it, it's just nice to get that feedback yeah. back from the interviewee rather than you know yeah. people that are listening. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, I can see for the listeners to be like, oh, geez, like, I have to listen through, like, two and a half hours to maybe hear, you know, whatever question I wanted to hear answered, but, um I don't know, it's like, for me, it's like, I don't mind, because it's like, I'm in the RC business because I really like what yeah. I do, yeah. it's, it's like, my hobby rather than my work, so, I don't mind just talking about it a bit more, and then, you know, before you know it, it's two and a half hours later, and you're still talking about it so <laughs> and, I mean, we,
1: and we really could and that's the thing we got to stop ourselves
3: right oh, yeah. because it's <laughs> oh i did that yeah with...
1: i don't know tim
0: are you familiar with uh tim smith racing
3: Huh? or i i've met him briefly before and i remember him and charlie Swanka at one of the rc Car action award shows
2: yeah
3: you're well, uh <laughs> showed up in like a Dumb and Dumber tuxedo. Yeah. I, I think have seen him on Facebook or whatever, but I haven't really ever talked to him too much. <laughs> so it's
0: it's funny. So the reason why I bring him up, and I'm going to kind of just keep you on here while I cover the last few uh, uh, subjects we have real quick. Um, one of the things... I've recently started doing a podcast as a co-host with him um, because he kind of got his gears going, you know, from radio impound and hearing ours. And, and he really wanted to do one his way. Um, and, you know, he was looking for a co-host and, you know, me jokingly, I privately messaged him on Facebook said, Hey, I'm up for it. And next thing I know it's turning into reality and I'm, I'm doing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting oh, cool. here realizing that I'm talking to this guy who has world records to his name, you know, that he is a guy in the industry and, it just it blows my mind. Like I'm just a little guy who doesn't know much, and he's teaching me all the. It's just it's yeah it's, it's it's
3: pretty. Yeah, it's funny how that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's funny I kind of mentioned that because I remember uh, when I was still in high school and like when MySpace was even still a thing, and I remember like messaging like Matt Francis at the time, and I like I remember he replied back to me. And I was like, holy crap, Matt Francis replied back to me, and I was like, <laughs> this is unreal. You know, I'm like make- being like the RC nerd that I was. I was like, <laughs> um I noticed that the 2003 Worlds that you had an aluminum servo brace in one picture, <laughs> but then the other one it was plastic. <laughs> you know why that was? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know, dude. You know, whatever. And then he like, you know, was super cool. And I was like, wow. Oh man, like, I just can't believe I was just talking to Matt Francis, and like, you kind of have that like
1: what do we do every time we get off the podcast Uh, oh my god we just talked to Tim Tunerman, right it's Tunnerman? yeah i'm saying that right Tunnerman. yeah you know we just talked to him for two and a half hours oh my god i'm gonna go drink three beer and go to bed (laughs) you know it's (laughs) just it's one of those but you know what's really funny about how this podcast started and it was more me and matt we will we are like women i'm not even gonna lie and everybody's gonna laugh at that but we can sit on the telephone with our Bluetooth headsets in our ears and talk for three hours. Or until they die. Or (laughs) until they die or the phone dies or or somebody interrupts us. And we go on about things and we were like, man, we need to start recording these conversations. Yeah. And that's exactly how this came. And then, you know, all of a sudden we started reaching out to all these people in the industry and it was like we get, Matt got replies and we're like, are you kidding me? Like we never expected it to go the way it's gone. We've really kind of gone into the whole, like let's interview these people, but let's let them talk. Like we'll ask questions, but just let them ramble yeah. if they want to go on and on. Let let them go. <clears throat> Again, we're having that 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 back and forth. And I mean, Matt can agree or disagree. I mean, we do this because we want to we want to get all those questions to everybody, right? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. it, it's we're you know we're not trying to be the man, but it's like I guess at this point I'm looking at Matt and it's like we want to be those guys that we want to be the guys that a lot of people look to now. And say, you know, can we get the MBM podcast to talk to yeah. whoever and let's get some information or you just know?
0: even even when when they're like say something at like a reedy race or something like that, it's like, Oh yeah, you guys you guys gotta talk to those guys at the MBM podcast, you know, become the the name of of that they want to chat with, and it's funny. Tim says, you know, that it, he feels it's more kind of similar to like a radio show, and, that, and that's I'm more after the radio well, let's, show.
1: You listen to Howard Stern, and no, no, no. I I kind of
0: do, but more Bubba. I listen to Bubba the Love Sponge, and i <laughs> and I love Bubba the Love Sponge because he's he's very much so like Howard Stern ish as far as the shock jock and outrageous stuff yeah. he does. Well, but he's a redneck. Like he's he's a you know he's, he he races dirt late models. You know he does that kind of stuff. He's a he's a guy's guy. You know. Well,
1: and, and, and that's the way we are too, right? Like off the microphone, you know, a funny story is, is we're sitting in the garage. Of course, again, we live in Canada, so we spend how many months in sub-zero <laughs> freezing your skin off <laughs> temperature. So we're sitting in the garage. We got a jug of nitro <laughs> and an old coffee can. What are we doing? We're burning nitro in a coffee can Fruit. to warm our hands up. <laughs> you know, and that, it, it, we're the same way. We do the stupidest sure. things. Me and Matt get together. We have what's called the Mike and Matt effect. If it can break, if it mm-hmm. can go wrong, if we can hurt ourselves, if we can piss off our wives, oh, yeah, we do it. Check, check, yeah, yeah check. It's just, it, it happens, and we are hilarious. People around us are like, I don't know how you guys do it sometimes. And it's just, I don't know, we just laugh. We're always mm-hmm. laughing. We're always p- smiling, you know, and yeah, I mean, we have to keep things pretty clean because we go on iTunes.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, know? for but, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, that's good, obviously. I mean, yeah. It, yeah you know, but I think obviously you like the hobby enough and, you know, and yeah. just BS about it. And,
2: um, I think we bring that excitement. A,
3: a forum where you can kind of just talk openly and kind of laid back, you know, it's kind of, kind of nice. That's
1: good. No, I we really yeah. appreciate
0: hearing that. No, for sure. So basically with that being said, Tim, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. We're excited. I'm super excited now that I've got some answers and, uh, yeah thank you again so much we'll uh, we'll let you head on and finish off your evening. We're approaching ten thirty on our side of the the country dinner yeah <laughs> yeah I bet I bet I hear you there so again thank you very much for your time and uh you no have problem. yourself a good one and like I said you have my email I'll shoot you an email with the link and everything for the podcast once I have it up tomorrow um sure. get, get yeah. us that setup sheet please oh yes yeah and I'll <laughs> remind you that oh in the
3: yeah too. I'll, I'll uh will uh Oh, I guess I'll email you that now tomorrow. I, I did. But yeah, I just sent that out to like a few people that have been, okay. you know, asking me about it. And I was like, oh well. If we don't have it by uh, nine,
1: if we don't have it by nine a.m. your time tomorrow, we'll send you an email. Don't worry. No, I'll just I'll text them <laughs> <him> t- on <laughs> his cell phone. <laughs> yeah. I got a cell number now. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: we're just, and like, you. <laughs> I, just I,
3: I wasn't lagging necessarily intentionally. Other than I was like, oh, I left my car at home, or, and then I, you know, have it, but then I was like, oh, I don't have wheels, or to check ride height again, or remember where I was at, and. Remember but to... it'll be better for you guys, too, especially if you have high grip. But oh, yeah. Some what mm. the issues you guys are saying you guys had with not having enough rear grip, I don't know if that would be what you'd want because it makes, if anything, frees up the rear end a little bit more, makes the rear end feel a little stiffer. So I'll give you my base setup that doesn't have that Okay. Uh, tomorrow, and then that should probably work really good for you guys, I think. So
1: well, we'll let you know for sure.
0: Again, thank right. you very much, okay. Tim. Have yourself a great evening, and uh, look forward to talking in the future.
3: All right, take care, of you guys. Bye, well, buddy.
0: Good Okay, with well, that being said, we're gonna take a break, and then uh, I got like two subjects I gotta cover real quick yeah, after the break. Snappy, snappy, chappy. Yeah, we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be the quickest comeback from a break, for sure. Uh, basically, just want to cover a last, uh, couple of things here before we, uh, sign off for this podcast, because it did go quite lengthy, and no, I'm not going to break it up into parts, I'm just going to put it up as one file, and hopefully everybody gets through it really quickly. Um, there, there's a few things, of course, I wanted to make sure I talked about, and I just don't remember half of them. Um, I do definitely want to mention, um... If you have an opportunity to check out, or if you're in the market for a new servo, uh, check out MKS Servos. Um, they have a uh, U- U.S. website. I don't have it offhand here, um, but give them a gander. The prices of the servos are not uh, ridiculous, and the stats on them are great. Um, they're coreless servos, uh, pretty much for any of the car servos, like what we'd use in 10 scale and stuff like that. They also got some really nice uh, full brushless, high voltage um, eight scale servos uh you know they're 190 bucks but the spec on them is ridiculous um and they're not just a rebranded servo you know what i mean mike like they're not uh you know you know how sometimes people say spectrum and savox are like the same servo they're just in different cases and but r- electronically they're identical mm-hmm. um so you know what i mean want to mention that of course tim smith racing kind of turned me on to that um and, of course, yeah, I want to mention that real quick. Tim S- Tim Smith Racing, I've been co-hosting with him on a podcast. Um, I guess I should bring him back from being muted <laughs> if Jim has any input. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been doing a podcast with him. Um, it's called the TSR RC Speed Shop Podcast, I think. You know how terrible is that? I'm a co-host on a podcast, and I don't even remember exactly the name of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, if you guys want to have a little bit of a different flavor of a podcast
1: um you know check TSR out. T S R speed shop rc podcast where'd you see that at right in your address bar was it yeah
0: yeah tsr speed shop <laughs> rc podcast thanks mike thanks <laughs> i'm a yeah don't mind me so yeah that that's uh i've been co-hosting that with tim i'm really looking forward to doing that because it is a little bit different of uh what we do over here at the mbm podcast so um Definitely check it out. Give him a listen. Uh, I think you'll learn a lot, especially if you're interested at all in like the RC drag racing or speed runs, uh, rock racing, rock crawling, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it has nothing to do with like 10 scale, 8 scale racing. He's not really into that.
0: Eh? No, no, not a whole lot. I, I'm sure, that, you know, he will touch on some of the news news related, like we touched on the Reedy race and stuff like that, which we didn't even cover on this podcast. Um, there isn't a whole lot to cover on it. It was great to watch. Um, it was a very random. Uh, tight ran chip as far as getting uh through mm-hmm. the, you know what i mean through the race day and everything like that so it was it was definitely a breath of uh fresh air to to see how they ran it um you know what i mean um and of course you know Ryan Mayfield um end up with the win so congratulations mm-hmm. of course to Ryan mm-hmm. on on that cuz i know he's been working uh you know he's been so close to it and finally getting it right so that that's awesome. Uh, the other thing, of course, I want to mention is uh, Lewis. <clears throat> Lewis is from the UK. Uh, he sent an email to the podcast, uh, to our podcast email. That's nbmpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'm just trying to actually look at the email here. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, so basically, he just, he shoots off an email and uh, he says to us, well, where the heck did it go? I don't like the way Gmail does their emails here, bro. I gotta click on the button, that's why. All right. <laughs> here, here we go. Technology. I got, I got it I got to figure it figured out now. It's Gmail. Awful. <coughs> on the phone it's a little difficult. Haven't? I do normally on the computer, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier. I uh, go basically it goes, Hi guys, I've been listening to your podcast from the start. Massive fan of yourselves and Ty also. The podcast in particular was awesome. So he was a big fan of the Ty Testman one. He, uh, he goes on to say, I have a D812 and set my sights on the D8T, uh, but he'd also like to get a D413, which is more up our alley with the 10-scale the four-wheel drive buggies. Um, so basically, he's new to the electric side of things, um, obviously, because he runs Nitro on his 8-scale stuff. He uh, was wondering what ESC and motor we would recommend. Um, now, of course, after hearing nothing but the good things that we have to say about Tekin. Uh, he's probably going to use that as his number one choice. So he he just wants to know uh, which one uh, would be best for that um, particular situation. Um, basically, I suggested to him my personal preference. Um, like if I'm going Tekken because he asked about Tekken. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in my buggy, I run SMC six and a half turn with uh, the 160 amp ESC. Um, but what I suggested to him is to run one of the six and a half turn uh, Gen two motors. Uh, with an RSX and uh, gave him the part number, which is TT2443 um, from Tekken. I told him that would probably be his best bet for that. It would have plenty of power for wherever he's running and stuff like that. I'm not too familiar with where he's running anything like that. So, you know, we want to say shout out to Lewis. Thanks for the email. Yeah. Thanks for the support. That's awesome. And, and you know, uh, I'm going to try and do that. Anytime we get an email, mention it um on the podcast and i know i'm talking really fast because i'm (laughs) trying to get all this in and get us out of here um and of course the last thing i want to talk about um is basically our 200 like winner Mm. i've been doing these giveaways at every 100 you know you know 100 200 uh 300 will be the next one um basically uh chris i'm not going to say his last name chris anyway on facebook liked us um was our 200 like got him um sending out his shirt uh signed shirt from ryan lutz Mm. he turns out to be a big fan of lutz himself so works out worked out beautifully and uh, of course shout out to ryan lutz for for signing that for us and doing me a favor we'll Um, we'll
1: have to think of something big for 500 (laughs)
0: yeah 500 will do something pretty cool um the big big one is going to be a thousand when we get to a thousand likes i'm going to be trying to get us our hands on a kit to give away
1: 1,000 likes, give away a kit. Yeah, yeah.
0: 500, maybe a motor or an ESC or something. That'd be kind of cool.
1: Yeah, maybe we can talk to t and and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Or somebody. Somebody. We'll, we'll, we'll work something out, I'm pretty maybe sure. Some, maybe, oh, you know what would be good for 500? Mm. SMC batteries.
0: Yeah, good to have a chat with Danny. Have Danny, yeah,
1: and again, you know, I don't think the price will get any better because you can't beat his. No, prices. No,
0: you can't beat but, his prices. Uh, they, they, for for, and you know that that was one of the subjects me and, uh, and Tim had talked about uh, outside of his podcast. Obviously, he's sponsored by Max Amps. Max Amps yep. um, and and I got nothing wrong with my Max Amps packs. They are great packs. Yes, they are expensive, but they're expensive because when you order your pack, Max Amps takes the two cells, puts them together, builds your pack, and then ships it to you. Your pack isn't active and sitting there for potentially a little while. And, you know, I'm not saying that's what Danny has a the situation no, there's no
1: of. Way, there's no way Danny has that because he can't no, keep them because he stock. can't keep
0: them in stock. <laughs> it, pretty much he gets them from overseas and they're gone yeah. again. Oh, so. If you
1: follow him on Facebook, he pretty much keeps everybody in the yeah, loop. I yeah, mean, uh. so,
0: you know, and, and I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say, you know, Max Amps has a reason why they charge what they charge. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, they're built in America. They're they're keeping the, the, the work over here and everything like that. And, and, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to get into the politics of it because that might just get a little messy. But, yeah, so, you know, shout out pretty much to, to anybody who's helped us. And, yeah, you know, like, share us, uh, send us emails, give us comments, feedback, whatever you got for us. We always appreciate it. Did I miss anything, Mike?
1: Mm, I don't think so. Share us. That's the biggest thing, you yeah. know, to get us out there. Share us. We, and, and, uh, and this is what I'm going to do.
0: If you share our page and you send people to us that like us, I ask you to do this. Tell that person to make sure they message us and say that you were they were sent by you.
1: Now you want to do another referral uh, thing?
0: Referral. Now this is the way I'm going to do this one, though. This referral is going to go until we hit 350 likes. When we hit 350 likes, if I've gotten referral information... That's who's going to win the prize. John Barrett won a referral prize that I did to the new year. Um, not a lot of people did it. Uh, you know, I had a lot of people who shared us and said, oh, well, I sent so-and-so, such and such-and-such, such It's like, well, that doesn't count. The people you send that li- hit that like button need to send us the message and say so-and-so sent. Mm-hmm. As long as they follow those rules, they'll get put in for it. I'll do my best, obviously, to make sure everybody gets uh, their fair crack at it. Um, But again, I'll do that till we hit 350 likes. So we've got a ways to go. We're just uh, over 200 now. Um, So there's over 100, I think 140, 145 likes we're going to need to get in that range before that that contest is over. No idea. Kind of wing it. When I see it getting really close, then I start deciding how much money I really want to spend. Because that's how I've been doing it. I've been buying the, the giveaways because that's, you know, it generates popularity and yeah, if it cost oh, me a few bucks to get our name out there then psh, whatever it is what it is exactly well with that being said i haven't heard anything from jim i think he's over there working on his stuff still <laughs> i think we might have broken skype with him or he's mad at us because we went too long talking to tim it's okay jim i'm working on a tlr situation buddy anyway guys thank you again for listening to the mbm podcast have uh, a good night yes have a great night and a great week and uh, i think we have ryan lutz coming up next month uh next podcast
1: who's ryan lutz What do you mean, who's Ryan Lutz? Who's
0: Ryan Lutz? You know, that guy that went to techno from that other place. See, now you just told
1: everybody out there that didn't know who Ryan Lutz was, who he is. Yeah, exactly. I try. Have a good night, guys. Good night.